Hi, everybody. Welcome to FNS Wrestling Podcast, episode 102. I'm your host back down here in the basement with my co-host and teenage son, Jack. Say hello, Jack. Hi. Uh, happy Canada Day to any Canadian listeners. It was Canada Day yesterday. I like well, I forgot about it until I was on Instagram. Like, I think it was Disney Plus's Canada account like posted something. I was like, oh yeah. I um, texted Bark to say Happy Canada Day because he's getting frustrated with some of the things going on in America right now. Um, just to, I was like, I'm getting you ready to come up to Canada, and then I he texted me later to be like, can you record tonight? And I said, no, uh, I think we're going to be watching some fireworks. And he's like, oh, it actually is Canada Day. So yes. And then I guess happy 4th of July to our American listeners, because that's coming up in a couple days as well, right? So, Technically, yeah, yeah, that's so we, math. We yes. went out yesterday for Canada Day to a, a city about like 25 minutes from us to check out their Canada Day stuff, because we're a, kind of a small town and you guys have outgrown the Canada Day stuff here. I mean, some might suggest you've outgrown the Canada Day stuff we went to yesterday, right? Because we, yes, there was a midway, quote unquote, with rides, but there was only like two or three rides that were decent for you i would suggest so anyways we and then we went out for some korean fried chicken that was pretty good and the dessert thing would you like to describe that that you ate two of it was a disgusting display to watch you eat two of them oh it was like um it's a bubble tea shop but they also waffles or whatever and then there's like yeah um use your words ice cream in it there you go bananas bananas and yeah it's this bubble tea shop and they do these bubble waffles which they then kind of fill with ice cream and whatever else i think you had nutella drizzled on top of it and whipped cream and yes. and then you immediately ate a second one it was quite disturbing actually but at how because it's a lot of i guess we should have just got the large one right we're like we'll get the mini and then you crushed it in about I two on, actually though if i was gonna i would rather get two minis than a large because it's just like i don't know it's just like because it's small it's easier to eat and then like if you want another one then you can get it and you, know if you I mean? don't like, you don't right yeah so like i would honestly like if we if i could again like i would just rather get two minis and then instead of getting a large one because the large ones are pretty i mean maybe i'd get a large but as it stands i'd probably rather get two minis it just sounds better and then tomorrow is the invasion of the people in our house and you're gonna bail for that i don't know right so 14 kids and 20 adults i think are coming from your brother's basketball team literally sounds horrible and i'm dropping you off at your aunt's place well, I mean, no. long story short, but your grandfather's place, but your aunt's yeah, place yeah. right now as he's in Korea for a couple months. So you're going to escape the madness. So we're going to record this. I'm going to take your brother to basketball practice, and then I'm going to come back and get the house ready for 35 people to come. And the weather, fortunately, touch Why wood. Why do you guys have to host that? It seems excessive. Because we have the backyard with the giant pool and the hot tub. It's and like so many people, though. I know, but somebody's got to do it, and why not? We've got a nice place to host, so we'll host. Weather touch wood is looking very cooperative. We're getting like 25 degrees Celsius with no chance of rain so far, so that is nice because otherwise I don't know what we would do. But anyways, I'm yes. we take all my stuff so then you don't touch it. I'm going to send them all up to your room to go through all your stuff and all to right. take apart all your Star Wars Lego and build whatever they want with it to surprise <laughs> you when you get home. <laughs> of course. How mad would you be? Pretty mad. That'd be not very nice of you. But we're going to have a busy episode of 102 today um, because we didn't get around to, because sometimes we don't because, I mean, to be fair, all of our content's completely free. So when we get around to stuff, we get around to stuff. We did not get around to talking about Forbidden Door, right? No, um, I, I don't even know why, but... So I think we'll start with that after the news. I, I mean, 
part of my not motivation to do it was because it's going to be me going, that was really awesome. That was really good. Really good match. Really good match. Really good match. And we're out kind of thing, right? Yes, but it was very good. It was very good. But we'll go through it a little bit. I did take detailed notes. I may pare them down a little bit. So we're going to do that uh, after we talk about news, obviously, first. Then we're going to get into AEW Dynamite like we always do. Some trivia um nxt uk will fly through quickly because i didn't think it was much notable this week on that show i don't know if you remember but i'll refresh your memory when we talk about it in any uh, other wrestling I'm business trying. is where we're going to hit it hard because i watched impact this week we just finished watching against all odds you saw like the last three matches i think i watched the whole thing so we'll talk about that quickly and then i think we're going to preview tonight's money in the bank which you sort of forgot was tonight right I thought it was tomorrow. Right. So I like these Saturday pay-per-views. SummerSlam is Even though I don't really have work anyways, I still prefer just getting SummerSlam is going to be a Sunday. A Sunday. And it's weird because... Yeah, that makes sense. So not only is it weird that SummerSlam's in July, because since when... Right. But also, Money in the Bank is in July. So that's two pay-per-views in a month. Yes, that's aggressive. Yeah. It's like... um. Remember 2020, they did a SummerSlam and then inexplicably did Payback a week later, right. even though they hadn't done Payback in years. I feel like Impact kind of gets close to that, where they have like one they of do. their... No, they I feel like, wasn't Slammiversary like two weeks yes. ago? Yes, so they'll do like a major one, which I think Slammiversary was, and then I think against all odds, odds was more of the minor the one. the thing is like, they, what's the, I don't see the distinction, like A, they're set is always the same so how, how am i supposed to distinguish a big one from a not big one i think it's and like by looking at the main event usually a lot yes but like uh, i don't know i don't see like a ton of difference and also to me like doring and young it's not like a stark contrast there no i also think the minor ones maybe aren't quite as long like against all odds came in under three hours so that was right. kind of nice whereas uh forbidden door did not but uh, anyways, I don't know. We've chatted a lot. Is there anything else you want to discuss before we transition into talking about news and ratings and stuff like that? Um, let me think. <laughs> this is great. The great radio. I don't know. You don't no. know? Nothing exciting? Um, I don't know. I got a week until Thor, so I get to talk about Thor next week. That's fun. We'll do next that, I'm sure, fun. in our banter. Oh, I will. I you, will. You have plans to go with people to that one? Um, so I think me and Hudson are going to go opening day because um, some people are both ryan's are unavailable for opening day so i think like the whole group is going on the 11th um, so what if it sucks you're gonna be it will with... not suck i know it won't suck <laughs> okay okay it, christian bale looks awesome uh yeah other stuff too okay. um and we got like more people so i think it'll be like the the core four and then core four and then which I is think... you hudson both Ryans. And two Ryans. And I think Freya, because she's with Hancock. I think Amelia. I think Caleb and Nene. Oh, co-ed movie going. Look yeah. out. It's a new era. <laughs> Good for you. Yeah, so, and it's then, about time. Um, I'm going opening day two because I must. I'm not going to survive if I don't Did go. Did you already get day. tickets? Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, being uh, proactive. We'll probably, Look we'll at that. To, probably have to pre-order tickets for the 11th too. But. And then, if it's good enough, I will... Uh, I'll trick Momo into taking me a third time like I do with Spider-Man. Momo being his aunt for those who... Well, are, actually, it, it, it wouldn't even be a trick because I could maneuver it near my birthday and then be like, ha, birthday. I don't know if we've explained why Momo is a name on the show, but long story short, Korean 
title that you couldn't and pronounce as baby. a small child. Korean so. title plus dumb baby emo equals be- Momo. Emo became Momo and it stuck. So Momo. You really want me to call her emo though? Like uh, no, Momo. She's Momo. I even call her Momo. Sometimes no, but emo because you know emo. I know. Right. Yeah. In English, it's different. Yeah. But anyways, Funny. that's eight minutes and twenty seconds of banter. We gotta uh, get that's this, good enough. We gotta get this party started. So let's uh, move into our first topic, which is looking at some of the week's wrestling news and rumors. So ratings this week, we've got NXT 2.0 drew a not very great 570,000 viewers, which is down 11% from last week, earned a 0.11 in the key demographic, down a whopping 39%. And as I mentioned frequently, that is the number WWE cares about more than anything. So that's down almost 40%. Uh, To be fair, looking at competition for the show to maybe explain it being down, it was a very big news day um coming out with some of the i don't know if you know what's going on but january 6 attempted insurrection blah 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 in the states they've had this like special I have no idea what that means so anyways there was stuff on tv that americans may have been tuning into um other than nxt is what we're saying so it wasn't sports this which, week which i mean that but it was politics. that doesn't say much if i'm being honest what do you I, mean like they're they're watching anything but nxt (laughs) maybe well i mean some people are quite interested in the hearings that were going on uh to contrast that blood and guts episode of dynamite got a very strong 1.203 so 1.203 million viewers up 17 percent from last week and a very healthy 0.36 in the key demographic up 16 percent so the highest total viewership since march 23rd in the 18 to 49 demo um or sorry since highest viewership since march 23rd and the highest demo rating since the beginning of june so i mean clearly it was a special episode with the main event that was very well promoted and built to and was going to be the second hour of of the show um we may disagree on that a little bit but we'll get to that that's okay we're allowed to disagree maybe it makes for better uh podcasting when we don't agree on everything so we'll talk about that when you're wrong (laughs) (laughs) i have the right to be wrong is that what you're saying (laughs) yes uh what do you have for us news wise Um, i've got a few things so i guess it's somewhat related but it's kind of like well then segue it properly okay give me a segue related to that (laughs) speaking of ratings what speaking speaking to ew okay and blood and guts kind of it's kind it's a week old so it's Everyone knows, but yeah, so Cesaro debuted in AEW or Claudio Castagnoli. Right. I'm going to, I, I'll either write him as Cesaro or Claudio because I'm not spelling Castagnoli. Oh, I always just, put, I think I put my notes are just Claudio. That's what time. I did. Yeah. Castagnoli um, is not fun to type. No, I don't, not a strong I don't even typer. want to try. Right. Um, so he was Brian Danson's mystery replacement. So he, he beat Saber, right? Yeah, he did, right? Um, <laughs> why don't you remember? <laughs> I don't yeah. know why I don't remember. I believe so. Um, and so, yeah, that's news in and of itself. And then also, apparently, the WWE backstage reaction said to be like, a lot of stars are really surprised, even more so than the fans, because apparently he got like a huge offer from WWE, but that was turned down in February. Right. And the consensus, the consensus is either like they matched it or they topped it, which right. was would be pretty big. And apparently, from all everything I hear, he's like beloved backstage, so he's like a guy that everybody likes and roots for. So that's cool. That's good for him. And yeah. yes, he did win with the Ricola bomb. What's that? Not to spoil it from. That's one of his signature moves. The, nut, the neutralizer? Like the thing where he plants him face first? No, I don't think that's the Ricola bomb. 
That's Anyways, a, we should remember. That's what's what ha- That's what happens when we go back a week later to talk about stuff we watched. What's a Vercola bomb? Uh, anyways, I'm going to move on. You can look it up if you need to. WWE reportedly is considering two NXT. How do you spell Vercola I mean, bomb? They wrote stars, but I would put the stars maybe in quotation marks. Um, R-I-C-O-L-A. Okay, I got it. <laughs> it actually worked. Um, so it they are saying that... Um, I was going to get you to guess, but we already talked about this ahead of time, right? So two NXT stars for oh, a main, yes, roster, I remember now. main roster call-up. One uh, was Zion Quinn, who is defeated in singles action against Sanga. Apparently, both of those guys are under consideration to move to main roster. That's according to Dave Meltzer. And I laughed at this. I think we talked about this privately. It was noted that the company views Zion Quinn as the total package. And then my own notes say, other than not being good in the ring or on the mic, right? <laughs> So That'd to, be like saying Von Wagner is the total package. But I, I think they'll probably say that too because to them, the total package means he's big and muscular, right? That To them, that is basically the total package. That was package. literally Lex Luger's name, right? Right. Wasn't it? So I don't see it in Zion Quinn. He definitely has a cool look, but clearly this is WWE main roster going, our priority is size and look because he doesn't have much else going for him. But anyway, so we'll see if those I don't two... Even, what's his character? I don't even know. Uh, he's a guy? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, I mean, what? even though it's bad, I know at least Von Wagner's kind of got a... I mean, he I don't, he I would, doesn't have character, but like they neither gave of them him do. one. They're just big guys who do basic stuff and look okay at best, in my opinion. Wagner doesn't even look good. At least like Quinn's got a look. He does. I don't even think Wagner has a look. He's just ugly. He's just a big stupid. dude. He's like a jake hager sized kind of guy that they like and anyway. jake hager sounding because lisp yeah what do you have for us um there was a royal rampage last night which is basically royal rumble and two rings right we, we didn't watch rooms. it i didn't watch it me either Probably yet. Won't I, prob- watch it. I might um because I, I i found out the result earlier the day at the dynamics it was taped so brody king will be mox's first challenger oh cool for the interim title so uh that's Obviously, he's not Dynamite winning, but next week, yeah, could I be thought a fun, that was an interesting choice. Could be a fun match. Yeah, so Brody King versus Jonathan Moxley. Nice. Um, speaking of alcoholics, there's my segue. Ah, nice. got him. Jeff Hardy has pleaded not guilty somehow um, to his recent DUI charge. Despite well, so what's that? He's trying to get out of it? He's saying he's not guilty of it. Despite his blood level being more than three times the legal limit, and despite me... You can find the dash cam footage of the police car and he's swerving all over the road before they pull him over. But somehow, I don't know what he's going to say to me. And this is just me speculating, obviously. This is a person who is desperate to avoid jail time, right? Because I don't know how many DUIs this is or how much legal trouble he's been in, but it's been a bunch. So at some point, he's going to need to be put away. And this seems like a guy trying anything to avoid that circumstance, but... Again, if you're putting the general public at risk by repeatedly driving under the influence, then perhaps some time away is what you need from the public to protect yourself and us from you. So anyways, we'll see where that goes. What else you got? Mm-hmm. Uh, whoops. Whoops. My tab was being... I'm All not right. cutting that out. I'm leaving that in there. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. Um, so the me- first members of Max Dupree's FKLA Knight's Maximum male models faction have been revealed. Have you seen this? Yet? I have not seen this. Okay. Uh, would you care to guess who is I, in the faction? Uh, there's two people, so they're, I think you they're going to be tagged. You would think Zion Quinn would fit perfectly in there. No, not yet. But it's not, not yet. yet. I, don't, uh, I don't know about him. Okay, but, uh, so 
have they been on main roster a while? You have to give me hints. Um, so they've both been on main roster a decent while, but they haven't been seen in a decent amount of time either. They haven't been seen in a decent yeah. amount of time. I um, have no idea. One of them's bigger. One of them's bigger. Otis, but he's been seen. Tucker Knight. No, he's released, I think. <laughs> oh, I don't know. You're going to have to. Okay. I'll be um, guessing forever. Uh, think uh, he was in another crappy stable. Or he was in a crappy stable before. Uh, I don't know. What stable? Um, Give me a big hint. Or this is going to take me a month. Like, um, they... I'm not a smart man. They all had the stupid names. Oh, um, okay, okay. So T-Bar? No, not him. Um, other one. The other guy. Uh, Mace. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so he's now Mace. Like, it's Mace Stop. with accents. I'm being serious. <laughs> I literally didn't even know how to pronounce it. And I saw the website. It's Mace. Okay, so Mace. Um, and, and the other one is... Um, That's funny. Good. He had a lot of matches on the Saudi Arabia shows. Um. Oh, Um. Oh, the dude from there. That I, the small guy. Come on, get He's his actually name. pretty Come good. Come on, you know uh, I can't remember. You know this. Come on, I do know, but Come I'm on. not gonna remember. Um, I don't know. Just tell so me. So you would think it's Mansoor, right? Right. Wrong. Mansoor. Mansoor. <laughs> so this is this gimmick is dead on arrival. It sounds like to me. But how do you? I didn't, we'll think, I didn't think you could get worse than Maze. But then you go to Massé. Massé and Mansoor. Monsoir kind of makes sense for me in like the context of that gimmick, but it's still awful. It's awful. I, I mean, like, and you should see the clip of them. Like, they're walking to their entrance, like it's a runway, and it's like. And is and so La Knight so far isn't gonna wrestle. I think he's the. I think he's manager. I think he'll be like. Uh, he'll get involved at some point, and yeah, it'll just be a faction, I, I think, right? But, um, I don't know. And uh, so I think they're gonna be operating as a tag team so far, and. Sounds I, amazing. I assume there's gonna be more. <laughs> I don't think Mansoor is bad, and, and I Mace looks cool, but he's kind of unless oh, he's not anymore. Improved a lot. I'll um, have to look up a I'm, picture I'm, later. I wonder who's gonna, who else is gonna be in it. What are you? What would Zion Quinn's name be? Because I feel like the gimmick right now, it's like you change their name to be like. Remember like Beret from right. Goldberg's? It's yeah. like that. I don't like, know what you could do with Zion. They could figure out some weird spelling or something. Yeah, or like some kind of accents and stuff. Like yes. that's, that's what they did here. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So that that's fun. That's also, did you see? Um. Have you seen Viking Raiders or Heel now? Uh. No. Okay. Wait. Since hold they on. Came hold on. Back hold on. From NXT? I have to show you. So I, they're back main roster, and now yeah, they're they've heels. been back for like a week or two. It's I kind of so like them in NXT. I was hoping they'd stay just to uh, um strengthen okay, that on. division. But uh, uh, so they're heels now, is what you're telling me. Yes. Yeah, so they've got like different paint now, and it looks pretty stupid. So <laughs> amazing. Here's what they look like right now. I guess they look a little furrier, maybe like wearing more. You like fur. the shields. Oh no! It feels, <laughs> that reminds me of um, the B Bludgeon Brothers. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Just I saw some say like they're basically berserkers now. Yeah. Like so creative. So bad. So creative. These guys are. And now I think I saw someone say like the only babyface team on SmackDown is the New Day. Yes, makes sense. <laughs> this is so fun. Um, switching gears to AEW, they're reportedly dealing with COVID nineteen issues right now with their talent, according to Meltzer. Again, okay. no names specifically mentioned, but Tony Khan was apparently without a lot of names for this week's Dynamite and the taping of Rampage uh, due to COVID nineteen issues. And I guess apparently they announced fewer matches um, beforehand than they normally do. And that sort of is explaining why. Um, because they're generally like announcing like this, 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 this is coming up, right? But I guess yes. they weren't quite sure based on 
what talent was available. So I don't like to hear that because it's kind of nice to forget about COVID for a little while, right? But I guess it's rearing its ugly head in AEW. Your turn. Mm-hmm. Speaking of ugly. Nice. Logan Paul has signed with WWE. <laughs> of <laughs> as course a he has. talent, as so, a wrestler. Now, I hear that he wants to be a babyface, which is the dumbest idea that possible. Literally, like, anyone I talk to, everyone... Anyone with half a brain hates this guy. He's a natural heel. Like he could actually, because he's not like he's, he's a douchebag. He's an athletic guy. He's in good shape. He can. He's young enough that he'll probably learn this stuff pretty quickly. But like anyone who knows who he actually is will not like him. Right. So he's so hateable. Like but I don't like people just lean into it, but I think this is stupid because I don't like. Well, I I don't care at all. And being a non, I don't like it. Fan of his or WWE at this point, so it's whatever. Yeah, it's, that sucks. Yeah. Um. And I hate Logan Paul. Um. I thought I saw he was gonna face Miz at SummerSlam. Not confirmed yet. I think he's gonna be on Raw soon. Great. Yeah. We can avoid him there. Yep. We cannot watch him there. I uh, will purposely skip his match if he has a match on SummerSlam. Uh. I'll watch it, but I just probably won't pay much attention. Or I'll do that. But I'll. Or you'll. I will pretend to poop sure. the whole time. Wow um speaking of main roster stuff the bloodline apparently may be getting a new member fightful is reporting as recently as this week that there have been serious talks about nxt star solo sokoa joining the main roster as he is the younger brother of the usos so that would make sense i guess it's kind of lazy and just throwing him in there i guess right yeah but then i feel like and i'll talk more about this when we're talking money in the bank but like i feel like it's maybe Rome, when Roman's dropping the title and like you kind of shift the bloodline down the card a bit where you have Sokoa's yeah. mid card, Usos are in yep. tag and then you can still kind of have them running around but then all then A, the top of the card is freed up and B, then Roman doesn't have to always right. be helming it. And it's funny because it's clearly NXT is not canon because when he came to NXT he was like his family had abandoned him and he grew up on the streets so that's why he's so tough. Well, yeah, you've seen all the rebrands right. and stuff so, and when they call yeah. up. Like, obviously, NXT doesn't mean anything. I actually think he is good enough to go to main roster. Like, his matches are at least solid, and his mic work is for sure good enough to be on main roster. So I don't think there's much else he needs to do in NXT. So I, the call-up kind of makes sense to me. He'll be one of those guys that goes up before ever really winning anything in NXT, like Apollo Crews and a few others, right? Tyler but Breeze. it feels like he, he could go and be successful, at least, especially mm-hmm. if he's... I mean, I don't know. I was going to say put into that faction, but it I feel like it's kind of run its course and is not nearly as hot as it was at one point, right? The whole bloodline story. I don't even remember when it was hot. But it was for a while. It was like the coolest thing, Reigns and I was, was even kind of interested in it. Yeah, I remember Roman Reigns being really cool, and I think bloodline was kind of cool at first, and then, I don't know. It just, they just, it was the same, the same. It never really evolved, right? I feel like it just kind of... And I feel like, and they went, just hey, by observing... People like this, so just keep going back to that well. Right. I feel like by observing, like, the thing with Roman Reigns was there's still yet to be, like, any signs of an endgame plan. Yes. Right? Yes. It's just As kind of maintained. Rock, right? Exactly. Um, But I feel like at least he's been, like, dominant, like, he's on top. I feel like the Usos, it's the same thing where they're just kind of circling the same opponents. And even more so, because I think there's less opponents... In the tag division, in the tag sure. division, especially because they've only just become unified tag champs, so they right. haven't like even been able to face the full division. Um, and my, I think the thing with them is like they're they have the same air of like 
I don't know, rep- not repetition, but like it's just not that interesting. And then also they're just kind of lackeys to Roman. Like they are. I feel like, like if we remember their that the first heel run. Like they had oh, some they were personality. Awesome. They were great. Like I feel like now it's just that, but like kind of bland. Like they don't. They just kind of like they put their fingers up in the yeah. sky. They like they're beside Roman. Like they're they had the same dominant reign as Roman, but like they lack more personality well, at the end like, of the like day, they're not really doing anything at the end of the day wwe has no respect for tag team wrestling right no. so it's just kind of like you're the champions of a division we don't care about so that's about as elevated as you're getting mm-hmm. uh my last one is or do, sorry it's your turn do no, you have it? yeah oh, right we were talking bloodline stuff uh, i only have maybe one more. um sakoa kicks out sammy zane because sammy zane just kind of like the honorary member just Weird. as like a. Um, that would make sense, and that would be a, an appropriate first feud for Sokoa and to be able to win as well, well maybe right? Maybe babyface Zane. That would make sense. Yeah, I, I would possible. like that because I don't remember the last time he's been a babyface. And he is a great babyface. Actually, no, I do remember before Hell in a Cell 2017. If you say so. Because that was when he turned heel. Because Shane McMahon was diving off the Hell in a Cell, and he pulled Kevin Owens out of the way. Right. And it was a false kind of anyway, sure. Hell in a Cell match. There's off the top of your head for this week. Yeah. <laughs> um... So I think there there's some match to determine the final money in the bank spot. I kind of thought they were going to leave it for a surprise, but nope. Why be interesting when you can have Mad Cat Moss? Mad Cat. I'm telling you, they got plans for this dude. I don't think it's money in the bank. I don't though. think so either yet, but maybe no. a year from now, I will possibly. talk about money in the bank as. Yeah, we'll make predictions later, right? As I have made the best prediction I could possibly give them, but they're just going to be stupid. Oh, we're going to hear about your, I won't even spoil it, but I know exactly what it is. So Yes, so. I voiced this many times you have voiced this i'm many very times. right many of our regular listeners probably know exactly yeah, what you're gonna suggest I'm, too. I'm super right about it you might be but they're never well i won't say they're never gonna do it it's no possible. i don't uh, now that cody's out there is a clearer path to what you want to have yes. happen i'll say that and i don't i'm not even like 100 sure it happened but i know i'm if they don't do it i will be infinitely righter than what they do <laughs> that's probably true yes uh my last story it's reported in the Wrestling Observer that Adam Cole Baby. is believed to have suffered a very serious concussion, as we'll get to in Forbidden Door. It led to like an awkward finish to the IWGP title match, uh, where he ended up being pinned by Jay White. And I don't think what was supposed to be the finish, but uh, no, I because Jay White looked a bit angry about it, um, and Cole I just don't think could kick out right, and they kind of had to. I don't even think there. you're supposed to kick out. I feel like he was maybe supposed to take the Rainmaker. Yeah, maybe. I don't and know. And maybe just kind of dropped out. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, but anyways, it was. Uh, they think he has a concussion. So, like, holy cursed wrestling right now, right? So yeah. many injuries all over the place. They but took out my favorite do? faction. What the hell? They did. No, uh, they just leave the Young Bucks. I don't care about the Young Bucks. Like, what the hell? Young Bucks are stupid. <laughs> wow. Um. Any other news from you? Speaking I'm done. Speaking of the Young Bucks. It Really? Yes. What? Um, so the original plan for them at Forbidden Door, um, apparently New Japan Booker Gato. Gato's a booker? What? Oh, yeah. He has been forever. What? You didn't know that? That's why Jay White's champion. He's like famous booker. That's why Jay White's champion. Like Gato, the guy with Jay White. Yeah. That's why Jay White's champion, right? Well, he's just been the booker forever. Uh. For many, many moons. Oh. Uh. Wait, but he used to wrestle too, right? He did. Huh. That well, happens, though. Anyways, he wanted uh, Matt and Nick to win the IWGP tag titles on that. Um, so then they would have put their AEW titles against whoever was holding those belts, which uh, would have been Khan and Cobb. Right. Khan and Cobb. Nice alliteration. Khan on the Cobb. Oh, <laughs> Got nice. Um, and so obviously instead they opted uh, for to have FTR win the titles in the three-way. 
Um, and the Bucks actually agreed with this thing um, that them the FTR holding the three titles is a good story. And so uh, Melter also said that the current push will be for Bucks FTR, which I think makes sense with yes, all four titles again. on the line, which a quadruple title match is pretty funny. Yeah, that's cool. So I, I think that would be cool. I think. I mean, it's not a super fresh matchup, but I could watch those guys. No. I all the that, time. I we gotta watch the first match again. I still remember the finish. It was perfect. Right. I remember Cash tried to do the four fifty, and then that was like not their thing. And then that was just stupid because then they lost. Right. Yes. Yeah. I remember that thing. And the Bucks are like in that weird stage where they're like kind of healing, but then they went back to babyface for that yes, feud. They flipped quickly for a little bit there. Right. So I feel like they could do a better here. Where I think Bucks are good heels and FTR are FTR are super faces. faces right now. Yeah, and if. The Bucks don't defend the titles before FTR, then that that would be their only defense. But I think it's kind of okay because I feel like there's going to be transitional champions. Yeah, and and that's okay because they already had a great run. And FTR is the hottest thing, so you got to sort of strike while the iron's hot, as they say. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. That looks you're putting headphones on. That means you're done your news, and you're going to listen to some Jack White while I do my technical part before we get to our next segment. Which we're going to take a look at last Saturday's uh, AEW pay-per-view. Well, I guess AEW and New Japan's pay-per-view offering known as Forbidden Door. All right, so Forbidden Door. So for me coming into this, it was kind of interesting because when they announced Forbidden Door, super excited about it, right? And then you start in your mind putting together all of these matches that could right. happen and then sort of as it went on i got less and less interested just due to a, as we talked about in the news right a rash of injuries um and like a frantic build too i feel like and then like some political issues in terms of triple a and all of that stuff right i feel i remember thinking they started because remember the first time uh united empire attacked right i thought that was a good like timeline to start but that was also the only story they started so yes. maybe they had started multiple things then could have been beneficial if you know what i mean and then you're right it felt kind of frantic that they were kind of uh trying to get to this and blood and guts on their tv shows at the same time so it was a lot going on a lot of moving parts so i came into it less interested than i was when it was first announced but man the show not to spoil my overall opinion but it really delivered right like this was um top to bottom a very very strong show if you're watching this, you're not really going to be disappointed with much. I and there's definitely things I like more than others, but like I don't, I don't think I was disappointed with anything. No, there was nothing. Everything was at least good, right? Yes. Good to fantastic. Um, yeah. And the crowd was just bananas for the pretty much this entire show, Especially right? Especially at the start. I so thought. this was in, uh, was it Chicago that this yeah. was? Yeah. Right. So the fans there are pretty rabid, and they were yeah to start the show. I think Chicago's just kind of a yes, a hotbed for now, yeah. hotbed for wrestling for sure. So they really added something to this as well. Um, I did not watch the buy-in, despite Me telling either. you I tried to, but YouTube was doing a weird thing where no matter what I did, it was the logo for the show and the whatever their stock background music is. And you know was when the you like page music when you like hover your cursor over the parts, it's showing wrestling going on. So then I would move to that part, but it's still no matter what I did, the logo just stayed on the screen, and I couldn't watch it. So I tried did twice, you, like and, not even the audio, and gave up. No, just no That's audio, weird. nothing. It was super. I've <laughs> never had it happen. But anyways, um, so we'll get into the main show mostly. The opening match. I did take detailed notes. We'll see how much of them. Maybe I'll fly through them. Uh, the opening match was Chris Jericho, Sammy Guevara. 
and Minoru Suzuki taking on Shota Umino, who at the time I didn't know who that was, but I have heard um, of this is Red Shoe's son, right? Who was also a young boy for Moxley, I believe, at some point. Wait, they have their own young boys? But he when he was in New Japan. No, but like I thought the young boys are just a general well, thing. Yeah, he was like seconded uh, Moxley for a while. Because I think originally he was supposed to oh, face Moxley on this card. or they be do a, that? Or sorry, maybe, yeah, maybe not face Moxley, but be like... Oh, I, I thought think, they were just around the ring. Like they, wait, young boys Some of them are affiliated with people, yes. Oh, why Moxley? That's so weird. Just the way it was. So anyway, Shota Umino, Wheeler Yuta, and Eddie Kingston. So the stakes for this match were advantage for blood and guts, right? Which, so, I, which I had known before we picked this match. Because that would have changed my Oh, yeah. I forgot we made picks for this. I will find that now. So this isn't what I would have chosen for an opener, just as a, as we start out. But anyways. Um, yeah, that's that was kind of my consensus going in. But I will probably take that statement back. And commentary also let us know that Umino young, was young boy for Jericho at some point, too. Which I appreciated that information, right? As a little connection to Umino being in this. Uh, so right off the bat, Wheeler Yuta hits six German suplexes to Jericho, right? And the crowd is already going bananas. Yeah, they're hot for this one. Right away. Uh, things break down quickly. All six are outside the ring. Yuta and Kingston get run into the ring steps. Um, Eddie and Suzuki finally face off, which the crowd wanted as well. And they just some vicious chops to each other. Suzuki um, no-sells the machine gun chops in the corner and then drops Eddie with one massive chop in return. I thought it was a forearm. Uh, maybe. It was a long time ago now. I'm just going off my notes. <laughs> a long time ago. Arm breakers applied over the ropes to Kingston by Suzuki and Jericho continues to work Kingston's arm. We get triple submissions applied by the heels. Um, Eddie catches Sammy coming off the ropes, hits an exploder suplex. Umino gets in. He showcases his speed against Guevara, ends up hitting a fisherman suplex for a near fall. Shooting start of the floor by Sammy before Yuta and Kingston hit dives and Suzuki teases one, gets the crowd all excited and then just refuses to do it. We get a Spanish fly by Sammy, but he didn't know that Eddie Kingston was the legal man, and Eddie hits him with an exploder suplex. We get the hurricane to Suzuki. That leads to what I like to call a signature parade, and the crowd just eats this up again. We get a code breaker to Umino for a near fall. Avalanche power slam by Umino to Jericho. GTH on the floor by Sammy I thought looked really good. Move. It looked good. Uh, he nailed it. Kingston then interferes with Jericho's lion salt. Umino gets control now, fights through a cheap shot by Sammy with the bat. We get a tornado DDT and a brain buster to Jericho for a near fall. Boston crab by Umino, but Sammy kicks him in the face twice. Then we get the gotch pile driver to Eddie Kingston as things are sort of breaking down again here near the end. Umino fights off Sammy and Suzuki, but gets hit with a Judas effect. And the Jericho Appreciation Society earned the victory and the advantage in the Blood and Guts match coming up that we will also mm -hmm. discuss. Um... I don't know. I thought this was an excellent opener. I thought this over delivered because I didn't really expect that, anything from it. That was going to be the next word coming out of my mouth. Same thing. I was like, okay, this could be, you know, kind of a fun. Yeah. And I, I, I remember match. like I saw this was, and I was like, I wasn't really, I was like, really, this is opening. Like, I don't really want this open. But I think like it actually turned into a pretty good opener. Like, I think it did. The oh, crowd 100%. is definitely there. I think the crowd 100% yes. helped that. Um, And I, I think I like that they explained something before because then I think like, uh, the dynamic with Umino and Jericho is really yes. I thought Umino got a really good he showing. He looked awesome. Here. Yeah, I um, came out of this think being a fan of Umino, kind of yeah. not quite to the level of uh, Takeshi. That's what I was gonna say. Yeah. But similar, like I don't know this guy, and holy cow, he he looked really fast yes. and impressive. I would still say I love Takeshi way more, but I thought yes, Umino looked great here too. I liked um, 
I also like that many of the exchanges between Kingston and uh, Suzuki. Me too. Thought, that, that was awesome. They that got a bunch awesome. of time together in the middle, which was cool because people really wanted to see that. They're, yeah. Like, just the pace to this was great. There was no lulls at all. Umino was really fast and looked good overall. Yeah. Um, and like you said, his history with Jericho that they mentioned was nice to make it a little bit more meaningful. And yes, this over-delivered a great start to the show. Um, AEW, for me, just has the market cornered on these trios matches, right? Yes. Which is why... I, I, I would... 100% agree. We're anxiously awaiting the trios championships. Yes, that are, I, they're coming. Has yep. to be, yeah. So yeah, great match to start. Um, and then a brief vignette to preview the triple threat tag team match that's coming up next. So one thing about the show I really liked was just in general, the pace of the show. It was match, little bit of a preview of the next match, and here it comes, right? There was not a lot of wasted time in between. It kept moving. It didn't feel epically long to me. Again, I didn't watch the buy-in, but this came in at about four hours, and when it was this action-packed, like, I was fine with it. It kind of went... Yeah, I went on and noticed um, that it was four hours, and I remember you were saying, like, we'd eat if, like, her uh, trying not to sleep, but I, don't, I, like, I ate, like, maybe, like, a little over halfway through, but, like, even when it was, like, last couple matches, I think I was fine, so, like, it was just, it was fun to watch and and for me you're right we planned on like anytime we get tired we'll go get something to eat and we didn't really need to do that much and the other thing for me is a lot of times in these long shows my notes start out detailed and then like by the middle there's right. and then by the end but this i kept taking notes the whole time because i was engaged in this in this show for mm -hmm. sure so we do get the um, triple threat for the ring of honor and iwgp tag team championship so that is cool because no matter what you're getting a new champion of something, right? right? Which yes, makes I think it cool. that was a, a really uh, cool thing. That There's they did. no like, way to just retain and move on. Right, Somebody's it's a way to. Something. It's a cool way to maneuver like intrigue, like yes. no matter what. Somebody's losing championships. Somebody's gaining, no matter and, what. And like, even though I don't think it was going to happen, like even like the prospect of t like two new champions being crowned and right. Pongi Vice taking both titles, right? Like, and that's interesting, right? Like I think throwing them in there, yes, is even more interesting because a I think a three way is cooler and be like then that's just like another dynamic they're like the there. perfect team to add into stuff who can really really work but don't need like they're not gonna win you know they're yeah not and win, i, I like them matter. like enough right so yep. like we're there and they're like oh cool yep so it is um jeff cobb and the great Ocon taking on ftr taking on rapongi vice oh, i forgot to mention we both picked the opener wrong we did yes yeah. um so ftr my first night is caps lock over with this crowd mm -hmm. like they love ftr yes they got a huge pop uh, Dax and Trent start out quickly to a stalemate, and then Cobb, and Cobb takes tags himself in. Um, Romero then tags himself in, and FTR connect with some double team. Did they call him Jepu Kabu or no? They, uh, no, they didn't. They Aww. they did have the Japanese announce ring. Yeah, announcer. I'm, I can't yeah, remember. That's, I forget what his name was, but it's, um, uh, his name is he has the same name as the dude that came back later that I love that I can't remember Shibata. I'm right. pretty sure. Yeah, his last right. name is that. Um, yeah, and so like the way they did was like I think Justin Roberts would do, and then you'd hear the Japanese guy go off. Yeah, too. it was cool. Yeah. Um, so Dax gets hurt early on in this, and I thought it looked real. I I still I think he dislocated his shoulder. Is the reports I saw? He was able to come back, so it's it's obviously like something where it's like fixable. Right. So he's taken to the back. Ocon beats on Cash in the corner and then sits right on his head at one point. was he interesting. just a lot of Mongolian chops, like the yes. double chop thing. Yes. But this match, I thought, lost some steam when Dax left and even the crowd was pretty much silent for a little bit in the middle of this here. Which, I mean, is a, I guess that's a testament to... Because they're there to see FTR ahead of everyone, right? And now half of that is gone for quite a while here. So they were a little bit Which, um, taken Yeah, that, that does suck, but at least it's also like that's 
there's some proof right there like ftr is yes big money. time they yeah. are we get a twisting crazy suplex. how that's just like materialized over the right because like, they're like baby face like you if you had told me they would be mega over baby face i'd be like eh, i don't know yeah maybe. at the start of the year i, like, wouldn't, I, I wouldn't have seen this coming at the start of the year no. like i think it's just crazy that that's kind of materialized it over has and I'm telling you, it was that match against the Briscoes where people were like, holy cow, that is undeniably a match of the year candidate, right? Sort of thing. Um, anyways, twisting suplex to Cash by Cobb as Wheeler continues um, to be isolated as well. Cash has no choice but to tag in Trent Beretta at one point. Obviously, his own partner's not there anymore. So Trent hits a half and half to the great Ocon and then a swinging DDT. Second DDT attempt is countered into a suplex by Cobb. Iron claw slam on the apron to Trent by Ocon. Basically like a choke slam, but with the, His head. the claw. I Palming like, your head. Yeah, which I, basically. Don't, I don't know how you lift him like that. but okay. Got big, strong hands, I guess. <laughs> Rapongi take out Ocon and Cobb on the floor and hit a knee drop to Ocon as he hangs over the top rope, um, which looks cool. Cash back in. He dominates Cobb and Ocon with strikes, but the heels eventually take over. Dax makes his triumphant return with some tape on his shoulder. The crowd is going nuts at this point. <laughs> Uh, Dax tags in and takes out both of the UE, I almost said Undisputed Era, Ugh. but I mean United Empire, correct? Yes. Um, we get three German suplexes to Jeff Cobb from Dax. We get a powerplex with help from Trent um, to Jeff Cobb for I a two count. I powerplex. You do. Cash and Rocky Romero team up to spike pile drive the great Ocon. Cobb power bombs Trent. Cobb Kabu. hits hit always impressive the standing moonsault he hits it to Rocky it's so graceful for a man like, of his size it he's looks so amazing chonky and then you just like you just it's so graceful it's, it it's awesome iron claw into a German suplex from Cobb for a near fall we get the strong zero to Cobb but the pinfall ends up being broken up then the finish comes when we get a sudden smash contraption as we call it or what you might know as the big rig to Romero after a bunch of near falls and FTR end up picking up the win here. So they are now Ring of Honor Tag Team Champions and IWGP Tag Team Championship Champions. Really good match overall, despite the energy dipping a little bit with Dax going back to to the back with what I think was a legitimate injury, right? Um, I mean, that almost made it cooler though it when, when he comes back and then it's just like Exactly. Electric. His return was great. And this was just another fast-paced, action-packed match where you... Again, you have to be okay with the ref not having a ton of control, right? If yeah, that's something I really that like bugs what they you, do these again. Like, if you think about it, that's three pay-per-views in a row where the tag title match has been, like, a three-way. Yes, right? exactly. And I'm not complaining about that. Me I, I just think it's kind of funny that that's, the, that's been the narrative. But I, I love it. I love I love the dynamic. I think it it's so much more interesting. I think when you... Also, they've been doing a really good job of picking who's involved in each one. Like yeah, I, think I think so, the, too. The selection of teams in each one has been really cool. I really like this. Right. Um I mean, it did suck that Dax was gone for a while, but I think it also made it cool than when he came back. Yes, because I think that was that was like his that was a hot, hot tag, you it, know. It was. So you have to kind of like if you don't like triple threat matches and you don't like the refs not having control, then maybe AEW is not for you. But one thing I'll say is watching the Impact pay per view that we just finished watching. I almost like AEW style better where the refs just like he sees all the chaos going on and he's just not stopping it because there was a few interest instances in impact where the referee looks silly turning his back, right? Like checking on someone when they really don't need to be checked on and doing it for a long time so that shenanigans can happen behind his back. Like I find that takes me out of it more than just the refs like, well, it's going to be a free for all a little right, bit. It's right. It's like 
it's like there's so much going on why like he's not gonna get anything right. accomplished and none of the none of the um, participants nor the fans are gonna want to dq so it's kind of like in ring of honor with roosh when roosh was just cheating non-stop as the champion but the referee knows the opponent doesn't want him to DQ Roosh because the title won't change hands. So you just kind of let it all happen. And I like that a lot better. Right. It feels more natural, Agreed. right? Um, so yeah, a, a really good match. Like I, Rapongi was never a threat to win, but they definitely were a nice addition to this, right? And let this be a lesson. Don't bet against your boys because I got it right and you didn't. That's correct. So. Uh, how, my question, how do you feel about Great Okan now that we've seen him a little bit? I think he's okay. I mean, I don't, I don't love him, but he's, he's all right. I'm kind of like jury's still out. I feel like yeah. I need to see. A I bit don't think more. he's like amazing, but I think like I don't mind him with Cobb because I think like then he's Cobb's not like cool. always in there. So I think yeah. I think Khan's all right. I love Cobb. Cobb's awesome. Yep. Tour of the Islands is perfection. At the risk of being repetitive, another really good match. So yeah, I, I, I love that. this a lot. Uh, then Tony Shivani talked to Juice Robinson and Jay White backstage. They said generic stuff. <laughs> I remember at time I kept saying like. On like a couple times on time, I was like, "What? He's the IWGP Osprey's the IWGP US champion, but he keeps coming on with the Rev Pro title." Yes, and then because Juice they, stole it, yeah, Juice uh, stole Tux. I think he lost it to Osprey in a match, and then he just never gave it to Osprey. I guess like or like right. he just took it back. And who did I say Juice um, is with or married to? Was it Tony Storm? Yes. Yeah. That's yes, right. that's the one. Yeah. And I I, I remembered here. And I was like, "Oh yeah, right." Like, yeah. He's got it. <laughs> I kept forgetting. Because at first, I just thought he was, like, with JY and, like, oh, they're both the champions. And I was like, wait a minute. Like, Osprey's the champion. And I know I said this before, but it's still funny that Osprey, who's British, has a U.S. title in a Japanese wrestling company. It that is. is still amusing. Yep. Our next match is the four-way for the All-Atlantic Championship. Oh, so, yes. So we have Clark Connors, who's been subbed in for, who did he replace? Ishii. Right, my boy Ishii. Taking on Pac, Malachi Black, and Miro. And Pac, Malachi Black. So uh, Pac attacks uh, Malachi Black right away, and they head outside as Miro beats on Connors in the ring. Miro catches Connors. Sla- a lot of Miro catching people. So he catches. Oh Connors, my god! The amount of times like Connors is trying to do like a crossbody thing to Miro. I'm like, why do you keep right. doing it's that? Not a, working. when has that ever worked on anyone? B, if it doesn't work on Miro, why would you do it again? Like, I know. He did it at least like four times. He did. It was so funny. Uh, Black flips out of a Pac sunset bomb attempt and hits a quick kick and a sliding knee. Miro then catches Pac and hits a fallaway slam. A little later, Miro catches Connors again and hits him with a swinging Uranagi this time. Okay, that I like that move. It looks cool. Uh, Black and Miro then fight over who gets to stomp Pac. And, of course, it escalates and they end up fighting each other instead. Pac super kicks Miro. Back body drops Connors to the floor and hits a Fosbury uh, flop to Black in a nice little sequence. Oh, that sounds so, like... Because it's like a flop. I think you could also call it a spaceman plancha. That sounds cool. It's the Fosbury flop because that's what it's called when people do high jump. Yeah, I know. But it's different. They don't. It's not how people do high jump. The yeah, part going over the rope. I just fine, think, but the flipping part not the, so much. The the name anyway. is just funny because it just makes it sound like Link. He was the like first guy to do it. Flop to get over the high jump. Forget his first name. Fos- Rick Fosbury. I don't know. We'll that's call him a, Rick. <laughs> Rick. So all four end up in the ring hitting moves to each other in rapid succession. Too fast for me to write down, but I did note there were a couple German suplexes mixed in there. Uh, Malachi Black gets a table from under the ring, and the crowd loves this. They are nuts for tables, so they were super happy about this. Uh, Miro is run into the ring post by Pack and then speared through a table by Connors. We get a nice power slam by Connors to Black and a spear and what they called the trophy kill. 
by Connors to pack for a near fall. I forget what it was. That was me just going off <laughs> Excalibur telling me. Um, nice flurry for Connors. And he seemed to, I thought he won the crowd over here, right? They were kind of like, who is this guy? To like, oh, he can, he had a nice little flurry here. Yeah, I thought you saw him. Because I've seen a bunch of him in New Japan and other places, and he's improved a lot. Like, he's even been on, I think, Championship Wrestling from Hollywood at some point. But anyways, uh, Black ends up crotching Pac as he sets up for the Black Arrow. This leads to a Tower of Doom spot with Miro at the bottom being the one providing the power. Uh, Miro then clears out everyone but Pac. We get a big kick and a game over. But Black comes in just in time, spits mist into Miro's face. I thought he was going to Black Mass him, and which hit, I thought would be cooler. And he did hit the Black Mass after Oh, right, that. he did. Um, I forgot. Black has Connors in an armbar. Pack hits the black arrow to black and no, puts, it was a 450. Or sorry, and puts. Were you sure? Yep, I'm positive. I remember wishing it was a black arrow and it wasn't. Fair enough. And puts Clark in the brutalizer. Connors immediate tap out. taps right away, and Pack is the first AEW Atlantic champion. And this match was awesome. I remember being pleasantly surprised by that because I took Black and you took Miro, so we yes. both got it wrong on different people i'm super happy for but I'm, I'm okay with being wrong i think that's i love Pac. great for pack i think it'll be cool i think we need a rematch with uh murphy now that would um, be amazing for the title i think that'd be really cool yes on a pay-per-view or a main event of dynamite and give them like 20 minutes yeah absolutely yeah a uh, super fun multi-man match i thought the second half picked up and was really crazy i think connor's won some fans with some impressive work in the middle of yeah this. i liked um his little showcase bit that he got me too and i'm glad to see pack win um i still think that i now i just remembered it i kind of think that taylor russ from new japan strong should have gone that spot but right. i digress i may have expected a few more high spots than we got but this was still an excellent match and the result i think allows black and miro to look strong even though they didn't right win i think here, it's right? smart right i think yeah i think i feel like either way i think connor's would have taken the fall i mean maybe yeah, pack would have taken the fall if right. he wasn't winning no, was but connor's. i think it was gonna be connor's yeah um and speaking of i think they also did a good job of making mirror look strong even without taking the fall like i mean like i think he, he had got a won, good showing right, right? like yeah he, missed yeah he, he like i think he was dominating a lot of the early goings he had to be put through a table yes. he did have a one before the mist like i think he looked pretty good i agree and i i i like that they kept black strong too because i mean while i would have liked him to win i also am fine with him not winning and he still looks fine here like yeah and he could he could challenge for it eventually honestly I, I the addition of connor's worked out because he can take this pin and because if it it's is not like Ishii, he's gonna... what do you do right like somebody's right. and connor's like it's not, i don't doubt he's gonna resurface right nope. so and the the finishing sequence i thought was really satisfying so just an awesome four-man match like i don't yep. know what to tell you about really this show it. right I'm, yeah i think i liked another four way better but yes. um i thought this was really good i liked it a lot and me too good on pack because yep. that is pretty cool yeah love pack uh, so we then we move into Bullet Club, which this iteration is El Fantasmo and Matt and Nick Jackson with Hikaleo there, but who cares? And um, Bucks actually wore their old Bullet Club gear. I'm pretty sure it's the, the oh, same yeah. ties they used to wear. Like a uh, local go inside, they had like the, I think they're kind of like purple and yellow tassels or whatever on the bottom, like bringing back the old gear. And the best. They are taking on the horribly named dudes with attitudes. <laughs> I still don't understand why that's like because it's an old reference. Their sting was in a faction in wcw for like a day i think it was with uh L oh. luger junkyard dog what um and some others and i think I, it went nowhere i just fast, think of when, i remember correctly and that name i didn't even know that was a thing so i always think two dudes with attitudes i like you know michael's and so that's so why i was confused and i still don't get it because like, i think it was because sting was in it uh so now i want to check even if sting wasn't i don't know i still think that's weird it's like 
who cares? And I don't even remember, so. I'm pretty sure. Uh, Dudes with Attitudes, professional wrestling stable, fought at Great American Bash 1990 against the Four Horsemen, consisting of, oh boy, I was pretty right, El Gigante. Who? El Gigante. The Giant. <laughs> okay. Lex Luger, Paul Orndorff, Rick Steiner. Paul Scott... Orndorff? What the hell? Rick Steiner, Scott Steiner, Sting, and the Junkyard Dog. That seems like way more than four horsemen. It was. And I don't think they lasted very long that after that. That doesn't make a, a lick of sense to me. So, uh, the Dudes with Attitudes. This time is Darby Allen, Sting, and Shingo Takagi from New <laughs> Japan. That makes sense. So, Sting, uh, it's Sting music hits and where's Sting? Where's Sting? We don't know where Sting is, but he shows up on top of one of the entrance tunnels, jumps onto the heels on the ramp. We get some brawling on the floor before Shingo and El Phantasmo start the match in the ring. Sting and Takagi sort of mirror moves against each other. Um, or sorry, mirror moves on uh, El Phantasmo, including a couple running sentons. The Bucks hit some of their double team offense to take control. We get a swimming, swinging neck break, swimming neck breaker. That'd be interesting. <laughs> swinging neck breaker by Matt into a back breaker by Nick that I thought looked cool. Um, and then people like this, I hate it. I don't know. I'm interested to see how you feel. The back break spots by ELP and then and then Matt. I. Um. I don't. It's in every match, and every member of the team has to do it, and I just don't care. I just. I mean, I haven't. I haven't had to like watch it, other than this. Because it's on Impact. It's right. everywhere. I've only seen it on this instance, so I'm. I didn't love it, but it didn't particularly bother me. It was just kind of like there. And part of my issue is, in this case, it's Darby. He looks stupid. He's yeah, in the corner I, waiting, and I feel he's like just at least getting like his back you, you got to beat the crap out of him first, right? right? Like yeah. So I don't know. I didn't. I didn't love it, but it was just kind of there for me. Uh, Alan then in a tree of woe, and he takes three drop kicks simultaneously. We get a spider German by Alan to El Phantasmo. Hikaleo runs thing into the barricade. So Alan. I has... think we should call it a German spider, but. So uh, Alan has no one to tag when he needs to. He hits a code red to El Phantasmo. Shingo Takagi gets the hot tag, takes out the Bucks, hits a finishing snap, or sorry, a twisting snap suplex to Nick that looked cool pop-up um dvd by shingo also cool sting comes in punches and chops the heels and at this point i was just like this is a stark contrast to the offense like shingo just hit a bunch of cool looking stuff and then sting comes in with chops and punches and i was like hmm not quite the same stinger splashes but hikaleo provides a distraction long enough uh el phantasmo low blow sting Sting no-sells um, a Bucks double super kick, which I don't think you were a fan of. That's so stupid. His no-selling. He's so old. How does he no-sell anything? Sting, man. Everything should hurt him. <laughs> Literally everything. Matt gets the knees up on a coffin drop, and they hit more bang for your buck. El Phantasmo hits Thunder Kiss 86 Splash. Again, using... Uh, um, what's our friend's name? Excalibur's description. Thank you, Excalibur, for a near fall. Uh, El Phantasmo hits a moonsault to the floor. We get a triple super kick to Sting. Missed BTE trigger to Sting, followed by a double Scorpion death drop. Um, and then another spot I hate is the purple nurples, the nipple twisting, and the low blow by Sting to El Phantasmo. Hey, it was weird when he tried to do that like to Sting. Like that's just like you're twisting the nipples of it's like a sixty-year-old dude. Juvenile nonsense. A uh, coffin drop to Hikaleo out on the floor, then strikes and a big clothesline by Shingo for a near fall on El Phantasmo. And then we get the last of the dragon, which my notes say a fireman's carry driver of some kind by Shingo. And he successfully pins ELP, which is El Phantasmo. Um, I don't know, man. At the Again, re- 
repetitive, really good trios match, right? And it's been a lot of good tag matches on this show so far, back to back to back. I don't think the Bucks did as many big things as they do sometimes, but this match was still really fun. I liked Shingo picking up the win and not Sting. Um, that's what would have been my preference. And this this card so far, and I think it carries out through this whole show, just a lot of fun matches without a yeah. ton of story behind yeah, it. Yeah, and there's like a lot of action too. Yes. Right? It's just all of, and I feel like it's different where there's, I remember Survivor Series, there was no storyline, right? Yes. And another thing there was like they were changing the card nonstop and a lot of times just on social media. This time it was just injuries and stuff. But I feel like this time they also tried to tell some stories beforehand. Yeah. Yes. This one, not really. No, because there's just too much going on. And well, I didn't love this as much as some other things on the show. I think I think it was still solid. Yeah. Um, I, I liked it enough and um, I think Takagi looked good. I I kind I kind of like ELP and uh, yes. Bucks. Um, so I think it was good. Not my favorite match on the show, but I, I liked it. So it was still really good. I agree. It wasn't in the top tier of matches on no, this show, but, but uh, the, still good. the worst match on this show was good. So right. what are you going to do? Uh, we then get Jass backstage complimenting Umino, Umino on his performance, and then Jericho hits him with a fireball to the face because he's a wizard. <laughs> uh, we then get what I thought was probably the weakest match on the show but still wasn't a bad match and that is thunder rosa defending the aew women's championship against tony storm match. right um so i did make a note that i was happy for a singles match at this point in the show right it's been a lot of multi-person or tag matches all matches right yet. so it's kind of a nice way to catch your breath you can focus on two people instead of six or eight mm -hmm. or whatever um so two baby faces in this one so they shake hands before they tie up Early battle to a stalemate. Then we get lots of holds, counters, and near misses in the early going here. Snap suplex by Storm is transitioned into a submission kind of nicely. Um, we get a slap and chop exchange, a stunner from Thunder Rosa. Running corner clothesline and double knees to Tony Storm in the corner. Two running drop kicks to Storm in the ropes and then a northern lights by Thunder Rosa for a near fall. A DDT attempt is countered into a northern lights on the floor by Thunder Rosa. We get a German suplex on the apron by Storm, followed up with a Tornado DDT off the apron to the floor. And then her running hip attack in the corner that looks really good. Another DDT to uh, Thunder Rosa for a two count. Knee strike, Death Valley Driver by Rosa. And then a nice looking Fire Thunder Driver because sometimes it looks good and sometimes not. I thought this one looked really good, but Tony Storm um, yeah, gets to kick it. out of this I like one. To hear. Look more like a driver, but like a like more impact. thing. Yes. Stiff kicks to a seated Tony Storm. Storm catches one of them, finally hits a German suplex. And then um, we get the final reckoning. I Apparently, Dustin has trained Thunder Rosa, so this was sort of like a shout-out to him kind of thing. Hitting Which I thought was... It looked cool. Uh, I liked it, it the move. Right. Um, so she hits the final reckoning and pins Tony Storm. And I thought it was weird that won it. Thunder, I did too. Thunder Rosa retains. Oh, did you see they're in a tag match next to Gun Dynamite? No, I did not. You know what see they're that. called? What? Thunderstorm. Oh, <laughs> nice. It's kind of funny. So I thought this was a very good, like, back and forth match, and Tony Storm got a lot in this. I thought she looked pretty good. I thought, like you were just saying, I think the finish came kind of out of nowhere and off of a move that Thunder Rosa doesn't normally win with. But I think the point is that's a compliment to Tony Storm, right? Because she kicked out of the Fire Thunder driver. Which I think so looks better, though. Rosa had to get into her bag and find something else. Um, so I thought this was a good match. It could have been even better if AEW spent some time and energy developing these women as characters and right. actually telling a story of some yeah, sort, right? Yeah, because I think right? babyface versus babyface can be done, but this one was just kind of like short-circuited, I feel like. Yes. Um, or so hot-wired. And despite some good matches, Rosa's title reign, I'm ready to say, has felt pretty bland to me, right? Even though I, 
even though I agreed with her being the champion and being the one to dethrone Baker. Yeah, you said that a lot. Um, I, I thought that was right. I've been unimpressed with her title reign. Um, but Tony Storm's growing on me a bit lately, so that's nice. yeah, a l- little bit for me yeah. too. Um, yeah, I think Rose's title and like the matches are good, but I think generally it's run its course because I don't think you can sustain a title a, a title run on just good matches because right there's a lot in between those. Like and her promos aren't great matches, and they don't invest a lot of time in developing exactly. Her. So yeah, yeah, they can't really do much, and like they just need more, the women need more because I feel like maybe they if Rose got more in, like maybe we'd get something, but I don't. Know. They do need something else. Um, maybe not Storm, but someone else. Uh, maybe circle back to Deep. I don't know. I think you could get Athena if you work it right, but I don't like what they're doing with her so far either. So, anyways, um, we then move to the match that I wasn't that looking forward to. And speaking of over delivering, and that's Orange Cassidy taking on Will Osprey for the U.S. Championship. And I'll tell you right now... The U.S. title that wasn't there. <laughs> ...that this might have been my match of the night. And this was the one where I was like, I, I like, I don't, I'm not a huge fan of either of them. I don't know if I, you know, I wanted to see Osprey face somebody else because he's amazing in ring. Uh, but anyways, this was terrific. So yeah, I'll, it was really good. I'll talk about it quickly. Uh, Cassidy does a bunch of his hands in pockets offense and a kip up right away. Um, we get a head scissors by Cassidy. Osprey escapes to the floor. Osprey runs around the ring. Ozzy Open help propel him into Cassidy against the barricade. Spinning backbreaker by Osprey as he sort starts to slow things down a bit. He continues to work slow and mug for the crowd along the way just because he can, right? Like he's capable right. of working a furious yes. pace, but as a heel, sometimes you just slow down and do things and taunt the crowd and stuff. Uh, Orange Cassidy finally fights back with a hip toss and a diving crossbody, diving elbow to the back of Cassidy's head. Cassidy collapses before Osprey can hit the hidden blade, which I always think is a nice touch just to not intentionally avoid something, but just out of your own exhaustion, right? And the damage you've taken. Mm-hmm. Kawada kicks to Cassidy, but that just fires him up. He hits a hands in pockets shotgun drop kick, then some lazy Kawada kicks in response from Cassidy. Super kick and real Kawada kicks a bit later from Cassidy. We get a hook kick by Osprey, but Cassidy avoids the Oz cutter and hits a stunner and a Michinoku driver for two that I thought was cool. Tornado DDT suicide dive by Cassidy and then a springboard dive to take out Ozzy open on the floor because they're just kind of lingering around. Uh, diving DDT to Osprey for a near fall. Sudden Spanish fly by Will Osprey. Then the cheeky Nando's kick in the corner. You know what that is? You know the one where they like, he's facing out of the ring and they tuck his head under the turnbuckle and oh. then kick him? That's what that's yeah, called. Yeah, that's, that's super kick where he's like, yeah. Yes, where he's tied up in the ropes. I love that. Osprey's face gets smashed into the camera that's on the ring post, right? And like moves it out of position. Basically. Yeah, I thought that was kind of cool. It was cool. We get a beach break for a pretty believable near fall that the crowd kind of bit on. And a bunch of, after, a, uh, my best description was after a bunch of lightning fast stuff from Osprey, in stu- including a standing shooting star, because it was just too much for me to get down at this point. Cutter, then an Oz cutter for two. Missed hidden blade. Stormbreaker countered into roll up for two. Clothesline, hidden blade for a near fall, and the crowd is just going bananas at this point. Yeah, the the last stage, the latter stages of this match were pretty, pretty great. Oh yeah. Uh, we, then we get a Stormbreaker, and Will Osprey does win and retain oh, I his he won title. Stormbreaker. I like Stormbreaker because cool. I like the name. The name's cool, and also Thor. And then uh, the move is pretty cool. Too, I did not actually. know it was a Thor reference, to be honest. Yeah, um, Thor. Um, cause, I've know, heard of him. You know, he has the hammer, right? I do. I am aware he has a hammer. Yeah, so um, in Thor 3 Ragnarok, uh, the hammer is called Mjolnir, and it broke. And then in Infinity War, he had to get a new one. So he has, like, this axe. And you remember Groot? 
Yep. So the I the handle is made from Groot's arm. Nice. And then it's like a giant axe thing. It's like uh, the he can like pull it like the hammer, but it's better and it's called Stormbreaker. Nice. Uh, Ozzy open attack Orange Cassidy after the match. Rapongi Vice try to help but get eliminated. And then music I did not recognize hits, but it's Shibata comes Cassiori out. Cassiori Shibata. Who is back when I was into New Japan. He and uh, Nakamura were my two favorites. So it's great to see him after getting his head caved in and almost being done with wrestling. I don't know if he's going to be active or not, but he comes out here. The crowd goes nuts. Pump kick to Osprey. Hesitate, hesitation drop kick followed uh, before a rear naked choke. Ozzy open pull Osprey to safety as the crowd cheers for Shibata. Cassidy puts his sunglasses on Shibata and his music plays. Um, man, this match, I loved it. I felt like it started out slow and built and built. It's one of those, right, where they know they're getting a bunch of time. Osprey's doing some really nice heel work. Um, and then he, Cassidy just keeps fighting back, right? And then Osprey just has to do more and more and more and try and get rid of this guy, and he just can't do it. So I think Orange Cassidy, uh, despite not being my favorite, he looked really strong in defeat. It did kind of remind me why I do like him sometimes. Yes. Because generally I'm just like, he's all right, but it, it did remind me why I do enjoy him sometimes. And the his like hands in pocket stuff, sometimes I feel like it's straight comedy, whereas this, I feel like it was more to get Osprey off his game and frustrate him, right? Right, and they even made the point that like they, he could lead Osprey to make a mistake, and that right. is kind of what happened. And I, I like that they did drive that point home a bit because then it kind of made sense, and that is basically what happened, right? And then Nure did kind of, like, serve a point Because sometimes I feel like it's forced, and it's just right. kind of wedged in there, but this was like, yeah. nope, we're trying to, to get this guy off his game. Mm -hmm. um, so Osprey eventually got to showcase his faster, more entertaining offense to end this thing. So just, I thought uh, the end stretch was awesome. I really, like, and, like, yeah, Cassie kicked out a lot, but he is kind of originally a babyface, so I, I'm okay with that. And I, like, extended it loud for, like, he got, like, a hidden blade, he got... Yep. Uh, some other stuff you got stormbreaker i wish he's i still wish he did that robinson robinson special that spinny thing he does but yes um still i thought it's cool i'm glad we got to see a stormbreaker um i think the finishing stretch like i said it, it was really good it was like really electric too like the crowd was hot for it and i think osprey was selling too good too like after like the kick out someone yeah and like he was selling it well too like i think the whole thing was pretty good and i i don't know i wasn't as like not into his year but i think generally i wasn't like Super excited for this, and I think it delivered, like, oh, it definitely over-delivered. It was, over -delivered. I it think was it a was... fantastic match that I didn't know I wanted, basically. Yeah, it was really right? good. I think one of Cassidy's best efforts that we've yep. ever seen. Um, we both picked Osprey for this one. So Smart boys, we are. see. Um, so, so far, we both picked the first one wrong. Then, what was it? We got, we, bo we both got the Atlantic one wrong. Then I got FTR wrong, or I got FTR right. You didn't get it. Then we both got Bullet Club wrong, and we both got this one and Rosa right. So it's I feel like you're three to win. two for you. Yes, that's what I figured. I feel like I'm not winning this. Uh, we then get a quick recap of Danielson being injured and teasing a technical master as his surprise replacement. And as we talked about in the news, it is Zack Saber Jr. taking on surprise Claudio Casagnoli, which automatically rules out my pick to win because I was banking on Gargano right we were hopeful um so huge reaction for Claudio again this crowd added a lot to this show they're just like yes, into they were everything even like right off the bat of his theme which I don't think is like so I remember you didn't recognize the theme. I, I didn't. didn't either but I think it's also because they can see the Tron right, right. They, they didn't, it didn't cut to the Tron for us right, right away so I think that's more like they can see like I remember like that happened when Ronda Rousey debuted uh, in 2018. The yes. team play, I was like, what? And everyone's going crazy. And then the theme, and then that, it like, cuts to the entrance stage. I'm like, 
Oh. Well, that's because it was Rondo. Uh, so Neutralizer immediately by Claudio for a yeah, two they, count. Yeah, like, like, what? Um, Are they really going to do this, right? Yeah, they pulled like a... Um, remember uh, Takeover War Games, the one year when Riddle just beat Ono? And yes. Like, like that, or um, I guess if you want to also go SummerSlam last year with Becky and yeah. Belair. Like I almost bit, but then I'm like, they they wouldn't do that they to Sabre. He's too big a deal. Um, so then Sabres run into the barricade and hit with a big European uppercut. He tries again, but misses and hurts his right arm, which Sabre, of course, immediately targets because this guy will just grab a hold of whatever he can, right? Um, and that used to bug me, but now I feel like he's fleshed that out with more other type of wrestling because it used to be just this looks like someone's skinny teenage son is in there slapping a million <laughs> different submissions. Right. And then my other problem was uh, with Sabre Jr. that guys that aren't submission guys start trying to work his style against him, which doesn't make any sense to me, right? But now I feel like Sabre's much more well-rounded and can do all, and I quite like him now. And I didn't, I never thought he'd be a successful heel either, which he is. So anyways, we get an outside-in delayed vertical by Claudio, knee bar in the ropes by Sabre, um, and then another one while hanging from the apron. Sabre goes back to the arm and fingers of Casignoli, and we get mocking kicks from Sabre, but those just fire up uh, Claudio. Um, but then Sabre quickly grabs the arm again and goes back to working that. Claudio, Claudio finally counters the arm work, so Sabre goes after his leg instead. It's like, fine, you're going to defend your arm. I'll grab whatever else <laughs> right. is vulnerable, right? Which is pretty cool. Urinagi backbreakers by Casignoli before a running uppercut in the corner. Claudio puts a torture rack, or sorry, he counters one into an arm bar and a face gouge by Sabre. Uh, Claudio counters the armbar by picking Saber up, walking up the steps, right? Carrying him right. in like a powerbomb grip up the steps and then powerbombing Classic him once Cesaro. in the ring. Just a powerhouse. Uh, giant swing, which had sort of been teased, is countered into a guillotine by Saber, but Castagnoli powers out, drops Saber across the top turnbuckle, where Saber applies a submission, obviously. Avalanche gut wrench suplex by Claudio. Uh, Saber as again escapes the giant swing as they tease it again, but gets hit with European uppercuts for a near fall. Giant swing finally is successful. The crowd obviously loves it. Claudio drops Saber after a few quick rotations, though, because he's selling the arm that uh, Saber has been working, which is a nice touch. Sharpshooters countered into a heel hook by Saber. Double stomp by Casignoli to get free. More huge uppercuts from Claudio. Sleepers transition into some other submission that I couldn't recognize, but Claudio gets to the ropes. Um, then we get Danielson-style kicks to the chest by Saber, and Claudio is just defiant and calling him on and asking for more at this point. We get a huge pop-up uppercut and a discus clothesline by Castagnoli, and then he follows up with the Ricola bomb, and Claudio Castagnoli Which wins. It's like a straight jacket powerbomb. Right. He wins his debut match in AEW. Which, I, was, I was surprised he won with that. I was surprised he won only because I wasn't sure if this was an actual signing or if this was a like, hey, can we bring you in because we're desperate for talent. I was right? pretty sure it was so, a signing because just, I don't know, because I feel like they would sign a guy like him and then also because I knew he was going to blood and guts. Yes. So I don't know. I, I thought this was another excellent match. What a surprise. Great debut for Castagnoli. And we were both wrong because you pick Saber. Right. Cool combination of stiff strikes, power moves, and submissions. And Saber's style is interesting since just that we talked about, like, any limb that he can get a hold of is at risk, right? And now that he's added um, some substantial amount of size, his non-submission stuff is more believable to me either uh, as well, sorry. Um, I thought Claudio looked great, combined technical skills and his power advantage, as would make sense facing Saber here. And he picked up what, for me, again, was a surprising match just because I wasn't sure if he was signed long-term or if they just brought him in 
in sort of desperation to fill a spot. Um, but he makes a pretty cool addition to the Blackpool Combat Club. But again, they're already telling this story that he and Eddie um, Kingston hate each other for some reason. It's, I think it's an indie thing. So free WWE, of course. Right. So I don't know. Just another excellent match here. What did you think of this? Um, I I thought it was great. I I thought it was odd. Like, uh, he was like a technical master, and I don't, I don't know if that necessarily is Cesaro. He, like, like he's he technically good, but like but he's not like. It's also a lot of power. Not like dancing, but I I love that. I'm very happy for Cesaro. I mean, I would have been more interested in Gargano if I'm being honest. But honestly, like. I was kind of being down on him, but like once I saw Cesaro again, like he was in action, he was great. And honestly, in Blood and Guts too, he was great. Oh, we'll talk about that later. Mm-hmm. But honestly, it was great to see him again. Um, it was weird seeing him in long tights, but I guess like I saw a clip of when I was looking after a cola bomb. Cassignoli wore those before WWE too, so yes, I guess he that's did. like the distinction because Cesaro always wore trunks. I was watching him in Ring of Honor back in the mm-hmm. day. Yes. Um, so I thought it was great. Um, Saber's pretty good. I. He's grown on me a ton. I'm man. not like a fan, but I, th- I think he's pretty good. Yeah. Like, um, because I probably won't see him much, but I liked it. Um, I think it makes sense that Claudio won, and I'm hoping they do some cool stuff with him because they definitely can. They for sure can. He could be a so good many one. fresh matchups. Eventually, right? he could win the Atlantic title because see, yep. there's another title to win. Him and Pac, I would watch all day. I would act. I would definitely watch. That. I don't. Know, I don't know if we've seen that. I know he was in NXT a bit, but like, so just to I just see... remember him wrestling Zane. Claudio unleashed and in fresh matchups. It's pretty exciting, mm-hmm. right? Uh, we then get a video package for the Fatal 4-Way IWGP heavyweight title match. IWGP. And that is what a star-studded match this is. Ooh, Jay yes, White, absolutely. who is the IWGP champion and just World fantastic right now. Adam Cole, Kazuchika Okada, one of the all-time greats anywhere probably, and Hangman Page. Um, so the crowd again on fire before anybody touches anybody in this match. So Jay White, being the heel that he is, escapes to the floor. Cole kind of notices that, agrees with that strategy, and he sneaks out as well. So um, Cole then pulls Hangman out to the floor, and White attacks Okada from behind to start this one. We get a double back elbow to Jay White, and White and Cole sort of discuss working together a little bit here, but then Okada and Hangman attack to interrupt them. We get a front suplex to Okada onto the apron by White. I feel like he- a lot of the early stages, it kind of... Uh, kind of acted as like a pseudo tag match yes a little bit it was basically the obviously cole and um white are going to sort of work together here so the heels as you're talking about right on time they hit a double delayed vertical suplex to hangman onto the ramp we get a cole neck breaker to okada and he holds okada so that white can chop him um and white gets run into the steps by hangman hangman then takes out both of the heels with a fall away slam and a top rope clothesline among a few other things Beautiful kick by Cole to Hangman's face as Hangman's coming off in a moonsault. That looked awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, Okada, it was awesome because he almost did like a full rotation too. Like he almost landed he did. on his feet. Okada then takes it to the heels and drop kicks Cole off the top to the floor. Okada boots White over the barricade into the crowd. He throws Cole over as well and then hits a diving crossbody over the barricade onto both of them. The money clip is applied to Cole, but White saves Cole with a Saito to Okada. Flatliner by White to Page, but Page flips out of the German suplex that follows. White and Cole do the two-sweep thing, but Cole hits a backstabber and patella drop brain buster to White all of a sudden for a near fall. So that partnership sort of fell apart here at this point, as it has to, right? Because right, each of them want the championship, so they have to. someone has to turn on someone. 
Jay White ducks the boom, hits a Uranagi to Cole, sleeper suplex by White that I think looked cool. Oh, they all hit. So he hit Cole, then Okada, then Hangman with the sleeper suplex, all of them looking good. We then get another signature parade here, including a boom, and all of the men are down briefly. Last shot. All four get up for arm exchange. Hangman cleans house, including a sit-out powerbomb to White for a two-count. Cole prevents a buckshot, but Hangman hits a moonsault to Cole and Okada instead. Deadeye to White. Buckshot connects. Okada breaks up the pinfall. Okada and Page are left in the ring. They exchange forearms. German suplex discus lariat by Page to Okada. Page gets run into the ring post by Cole. Panama Sunrise is countered into an air raid crash onto the knee by Okada. I thought looked really good. Uh, top elbow drop, sorry, top rope elbow drop by Okada. Rainmaker pose, but Cole ducks. Super kicks from Cole to Okada. Drop kick by Okada to Cole. Cole super kicks a page buckshot attempt and then gets caught by another Okada drop kick and a landslide, which I don't remember what that is either, but that's just Excalibur giving me names to things. I don't remember. It's been a week almost, so I don't remember. Sudden Blade Runner to Okada and Jay White pins Adam Cole, his buddy and faction mate to retain the iwgp heavyweight title um so this in my notes in the moment right i thought the finish was pretty strange and then my question was was cole legit injured and apparently that is the case he was concussed uh even jr in the moment called it anticlimactic regardless super entertaining match how could it not be with the talent like those four guys uh, that's an incredibly talented group of guys yes uh and i i it, it's not a surprise that White would retain, right? That's what we all expected. I don't think that. I don't think the finish went down as planned, but this was an excellent match nonetheless. Like again, no duds on this show. Even the quote unquote worst match has been pretty good. Um, I really like this. I think this might have been my favorite match because I just it was I think, awesome. Like, even though it was kind of operating as a tag match at the beginning, I think that that was that makes was fine. That's part of the story. Yeah, exactly, yes. it worked, and yes. I think like the latter stages, especially when it got down to like everyone just hitting stuff all over the place, I thought it was awesome. I think so much of the offense was just it was really cool like a lot of all the big moves were hit like i don't know i think it was just generally like, it was really good there's so much going on I, I i really liked it i think the finish it didn't go down as planned but i don't think it really hampers the match much i think it was too good to for that to really right. be a uh like a major downer and it wasn't their fault so it's not like it was planned and it, it like was executed poorly it just something happened and so do you, you think to change tack do they do you think they go somewhere with cole and white now Maybe once Cole's good to Better, go. obviously, right? Yeah. Uh perhaps. I don't I do kinda hope White sticks around. I think that'd be cool. And um but I don't I don't know if he will. And but. even if it doesn't it wasn't intentional, Cole taking the pinfall here kind of makes sense to me because Hangman and Okada are bigger deals right now, right? Not that Cole's not a big deal, He's, but yeah, no, he hasn't done much since the Owen right. Hart tournament. Right. Um, so then literally we, hasn't wrestled since own heart tournament other than this, right? We get a recap of the champion interim championship situation, focusing mostly on Moxley. And then we do head to the main event, which is John Moxley taken on, um, Hiroshi Tanahashi for the interim AEW world championship. So we get holds and counters to start as the crowd is chanting for both men right away here, cross body off the second rope by Tanahashi, a strike exchange, Two drop kicks to Mox's knee before a dragon screw. So there's some work to the leg being done here. And that sort of continues from Tanahashi uh, until a sudden cutter by Moxley turns the tide. Mox gets the better of the next strike exchange, hits a superplex, then a pile driver for a near fall. Cloverleaf by Mox's transition before Tanahashi can get to the ropes. Sorry, my notes say Tana all the time because I got tired of writing Tanahashi. <laughs> a body slam, second rope somersault, senton by Tanahashi. 
and then he skins the cat but gets immediately clotheslined to the floor by Moxley. Moxley then puts Tanahashi through a table with a Uranagi, and Tanahashi just beats the 10 count to get back in the ring. We get the yes kicks to Tanahashi, who fires up, goes for a dragon screw, but Mox counters into an armbar. Sling blade by Tanahashi, high cross body to a bloody Moxley on the floor. Uh, two twist and shouts from Tanahashi, then a German suplex, and a paradigm shift for a near fall. Uh, I don't know. Again, that's me writing down Excalibur <laughs> and forgetting what it is. I should know because I've seen Tanahashi wrestle a thousand, and clearly it's one of his signatures. Headbutt and Kamagoya by Tanahashi. High fly flow for a near fall. Mox transitions right into a bully choke. King Kong Lariat by Mox for one count before a hammer and anvil elbows to Tanahashi. Rear naked choke by Mox transitioned uh, back to his bully choke. And a death rider, pretty big death rider, and John Moxley picks up the win. Kind of weird because it's a half New Japan match. They call it a death rider because that's what it yes. is. It's, I don't know, it's just weird. And he becomes the interim champion, as I think we all expected. Uh, Jericho Appreciation Society run down and attack, attack Moxley ahead of Blood and Guts. Kingston comes down to try and help. Then Santana and Ortiz and Yuta join them and they brawl. The rest of Jazz come down and join in since AEW just can't help but have a giant run and brawl. Claudio shows up too and cleans house and hits a giant swing to Angelo briefly. Um, your thoughts on this match? Um, I don't know. I think it was one of my least like, favorites. Yeah, and not that it I, wasn't good. It, no, it was good, but I I think I would share that sentiment that it was one of my least favorites just because like, and. Like, Post prime Tanahashi is good, but he's not amazing. Yeah, Tanahashi's good, but he's just not that interesting or amazing. And I also, agree. it's like you knew where it was gonna. You know how it was ending. Yes, and that too. that's not necessarily bad because you could say the same for Osprey. But that match was great, and I don't know. This match just didn't have it. Like it was good, but just wasn't like, and it it held my interest enough. But I, I just I knew where it was going, right? Yes. And I just don't really care about Tanahashi, and I wish Mox had like a better opponent. So I, I just agree. didn't like. I don't know, I just didn't really care enough in, in this second. And it was solid, but like, just like you said, Tosh is not in his prime, so it's just not that interesting. And, that was one of my notes. And was they I just, were immediately, like, they were outdone by just the match before. Right, and I just didn't buy into the drama of this one for some reason. I thought the blood seemed oddly timed and a bit yeah, unnecessary. I the blood, yeah, I thought that was but, um The outcome was predictable. Still a really good match, but not in the top few on this show, right? For sure, for me. Um, again, a good match, but not, there were s several that outshined this one, I thought. Um, overall thoughts, I mean, what do you say? Amazing show top to bottom. The pace was None excellent. None of the matches are bad. The pace was great. Like I said, it was match, 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 match. They're not wasting time in between anything. No matches that weren't at least good. My only complaint, and this is nitpicky, is that it felt like an indie show in the sense that the matches kind of felt thrown together without much build behind them. So it felt like when I just watched GCW, I Never Liked You, it was just guys having cool matches for reasons I didn't know, right? And that's not that that's not entertaining, uh, and I don't mind that feeling at indie shows, but I expect more from big companies that have weekly TV, right? Um, to be fair, they were dealing with a bunch of injuries and issues surrounding AAA, not wanting their talent there, etc., etc., so regardless of this, thoroughly entertained by basically every match on this show. Um, I, and I, like I said, I even had the energy and motivation to take notes the whole time, which doesn't always happen. because I'm usually exhausted by the end of these shows. But this like just kept me energized and awake for the whole thing. The, the length of this show I felt was manageable without watching the buy-in. Um, I'm comfortably giving this an A-. Only 
losing marks because some of the builds and stories weren't great. Otherwise, it's a very solid A show, but excellent show top to bottom. Mm -hmm. You? Yeah, and this is supposed to be like, um, for like a show that's supposed to be like lesser than their usual pay-per-views, I think it was more than on par. Yes. Um, yeah, I, I think from top to bottom, like you had a lot of amazing matches I'd recommend. Like I'd go out of your way to see like the three-way tag, the yep. IWGP four-way, yep. um, Osprey's match, yep. um, at least those three. And then if you really wanted to, I'd even go um the atlantic match and if you want something fun the opener is pretty good too like i think you can't go like, wrong you can't go wrong with pretty much anything i think least favorites were the women's in the main event but like those were still good and yes like if you like those a lot i wouldn't no like, i'm not gonna I wouldn't fight disagree you. a ton right? right um so i think like pretty much everything top to bottom was great um like you said like i think if they could have built it better um then it would have been an even better show but i think it was still amazing despite that and i think an a minus is fair i think it was great one of aw's best ones i think because i yeah. guess it was so good like throughout and, and just you, hopefully you not have a good time hopefully this means we get more of this right like one of these right. every year i heard totally they're already fine. having talks of like an yes like one a year Amazing. or even like one like towards the end of this year i would love it yep uh so yeah fantastic show and then we're gonna keep talking aew but shift into looking at their weekly offering this week which is looking at aew blood and guts Open the show with Orange Cassidy versus Ethan Page for reasons I do not know. Yes, and did you make a note of what yeah. uh, Cassidy is debuting here? Orange Cassidy had a new theme, another actual song. I thought Where Is My Mind was a lot better fit. Yeah, um, I, don't, I like that better. I don't even know why this was. I don't either. I I I liked I liked Where Is My Mind better. I thought that I thought that just fit for some reason. So the song is Jane by Jefferson Starship. Apparently, I don't, I don't know why they changed. Uh, it. It's not super familiar to me either, even being an old person. But anyways, it's fine. I don't care that yeah. much. Um, Lambert also cut a pre-match promo as Paige was making his way to the ring. Oh right. I mean, it's fine. Nothing special. Basically, just was getting best friends ejected. And I think it was also like. And Chuck Taylor was actually back. It was like, hey guys, I'm full heel again now that I'm done dealing with Sammy and Ty Conti and was a babyface weirdly for a little bit, right? right? It's like, hey, I'm back to being obnoxious super heel, right. Dan Lambert. Mm -hmm. Which is fine. He's good in that role. Mm -hmm. um, I just don't want any MMA people coming with him. As long as it's just him doing heel stuff, I'm okay with it. Yeah, yeah I doubt it. <laughs> Me too. Um, so there's a diving cross by Cassie for two. Um, Paige put Cassie's hands in his pockets and got punches him, then delivers a suplex with his hands in his pockets, which is kind of cool. Yeah, delayed vertical, I think it was, right? Mm -hmm. It looked cool. There's a little roundhouse kick by Paige, which I thought was interesting, and then there's a cool suplex move. And it was kind of like a crotch left in like a corkscrew. Um, it was kind of cool. Sorry. Good job. Well, your microphone was not at your face, so I'm just trying to adjust it, and now things are falling. My Bobby but, Lashley domes. Yes. I'm going to hold it. Um, and there's a military press power slam by Page for two, um, and a tilt world GT by Cassie for two, and then the orange punch comes and a body slam for the win, because that makes sense. Yeah, what was that? Is that a reference to something or someone or I don't I don't know what the body slam was. But anyways, the the match was solid. I think Paige is a good choice for Cassidy to beat to get kind of back on track, right? I really like Ethan Page. I think they could elevate him, but that's clearly not the role he's in right now. And I think his like reactions and sort of ring presence uh to the and his like dramatic nature 
lend themselves to facing someone like Cassidy, right? Who is using humor in his matches, even though it's not always my favorite thing. Like he did like a hands in his pockets power up spot, which was a, a bridge too far for me in this match. So this was more like the comedy stuff Cassidy does that I don't think's adding to the match for me, whereas it worked in the Osprey match right. from the pay-per-view. But so I didn't think this was a hot opener, but I enjoyed the match well enough. Um, yeah, and I don't know. I was gonna. I already kind of asked you your thoughts on Lambert's involvement now that he's kind of just back into heel. So I, I'm okay with it again. As yeah, long as I think he, it works better. Yeah. What did you think of the opener? Um, it was a solid match, but nothing great. Page looked solid throughout, having been in control for more majority of the match. Was solid, some solid offense. I thought some of the moves were pretty cool. Um, one thing that was weird is the focus on Cassie. He kept circling back to a body slam attempt. Yeah. It was really weird. And he hit I think it we're missing something, right? We have to be. The only thing I can think of is the Andre thing, which I, that doesn't even make sense. Yeah. Um, Like, it could be referenced or something, but zero clue what it would be. Overall, an okay opener, but nothing very interesting. Um, speaking of interesting, uh, Christian Cage speaks next Um, on the stage. He gets booed heavily before speaking. He says he was asked by upper management to come out and apologize for his remarks about Jungle Boy's family in last week, specifically what he said about Luke Perry, his father. <laughs> which was awesome. Yes. Um. <laughs> You should apologize for not doing that the whole time. Right? For um, taking so long to be interesting. <laughs> you should apologize to me personally. Yes. Uh, <laughs> like, pay for a cameo thing, and then, like, get him to apologize personally. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if that still exists. <laughs> it does. Um, oh, that would be funny. Is like, if you, like, you, I don't know, like, some promo, right, and then you just, like, pay a wrestler to personally apologize to you for we something. Should, what we should do is pay one of them to, like, do a... Uh, fns wrestling intro and then forever stick that on the front of our show yeah, um that's the one youtube do. channel i used to watch he always had like a few that he would cycle through yeah that, the we could do that that'd be fun we should totally do that get a celebrity intro and outro. taylor rust <laughs> he'd be cheap yeah exactly <laughs> make an offer make him an and offer. it's taylor rust i love taylor rust yeah um he says he never apologized for anything he said or done in his career and he says he apologizes he just apologized um that his whole family wasn't dead and they had to watch the match at Road Racer two weeks ago. Wow. Slips back into it. He corrects himself saying, except Jungle Boy's mom does like a call me gesture, which is pretty funny. Yes. And he says he requested a match this week, but he never said it was for him. Ooh. Ooh. And then uh, Mystery Music plays, and it's a black clad luchasaurus coming up with a new theme and a new entrance. So that is pretty interesting. It was. Um, and, and I, we'll you missed way. the important detail that Christian Cage is wearing a turtleneck. Heel Christian wears turtlenecks, which <laughs> I is I love brilliant. it because I hate it so much. Such an awful look. I, I hate it, but yep. I love it because I hate it. Yep. Um, I thought it was a solid promo from Christian with the family. And I, again, I like him taking jabs with the family. I think it's really funny. I'm surprised Luchasaurus came out and seemingly aligned with him. I assume we'll eventually get some sort of explanation. I hope sooner or later. An immediate thought I I get is that it's possibly a con. Um, could very well be legitimate too, because like we don't know like how. What the intelligence of Luchasaurus is, because with the with the whole gimmick, I don't know, mm -hmm. like, or maybe he's just loyal Jungle Boy and he's just kind of conning Cage, because maybe this is the best path for him right now. Depending on the reasoning, though, it could be legitimate, and that that it's interesting. To I me. think it will be. Um, I I think that's more likely, and yeah. I'm interested to see why. Um, I kind of hope he isn't really healed, because then he probably won't be doing any cool kick flurries or standing moonsaults anymore. He might still. I hope he does, because that's my favorite thing. That's what makes him Luchasaurus. Yeah. Um. So we'll see. But I think this is very interesting, at the least. I, uh, I'm i all for a despicable heel in AEW, which I feel is what Christian's going for here. He, he wouldn't necessarily have been my first choice to do it, but I have to admit I enjoyed this quite a bit. I was honestly surprised to see Luchasaurus join Christian so quickly. I know they teased it briefly, 
but AEW usually takes their time with stories like this. But since Christian's turn took so long to happen, right? We saw signs of it months ago. I'm okay with things moving a little bit more quickly here. Um, and this version of Christian Cage having a silent monster as his muscle could work really well. I think I, Luchasaurus looks really cool too. He black, does. Not gonna lie. And like you're saying, I hope that they provide the reasons for Luchasaurus's decision at yeah, some point. Yeah, this has point. a lot of potential, I think. But it also one of the benefits of this is it gets Jungle Boy away from everybody so that they can find out what they have in him at, with as a singles wrestler. You, right? you could, I feel like you could always reunite Jurassic, Jurassic Express should you yeah. need to. But now Jungle Boy's more experienced. They're touting him as right. one of the pillars of this country uh, company. Sorry. <laughs> so let's see. Um, let's see what we get from him. Right? Is he a pillar of the country? Because, I mean, that's possible. Their country might be in better shape if he were. Frankly, <laughs> things going on there right now. Right. Uh, next, we go to Luchasaurus versus Serpentico. So I guess Luchasaurus is taking a loss. That's yeah, for a... sure. Serpentico is <laughs> undefeated, I think. Yeah, I, I, I assume so. Um, he, he's probably a megastar after he was impersonated by Sammy Guevara years ago. Yes. Um, only a couple things. There's a headbutt by Luchasaurus, which those always look good. And then also, if you think about it, it's probably good because he literally has horns on his helmet. Is that cheating? No. No? It's part of him. What are you talking about? He's a dinosaur. <laughs> That'd be like right. asking him to like shave his skin off. That would be torture <laughs> for him. It would be but you're asking to mutilate the poor dinosaur. How dare you? In fact, you're asking me to undinosaur How him. Dare you? <laughs> yes. <laughs> D dinosaur. Oh, that, that doesn't sound as fun. <laughs> so, anyways, uh, describe this squatch back. And then there's a wheelbarrow suplex, which is pretty cool. Yep. Um, and then there's this cool face buster, same thing. It's like um, so he has him like a position down for a tombstone, and then he kind of lifts him up. So then, like, yes, Serpentico's shins are on his shoulders, and then he just like plants him face first. Which I think it looks really cool. It's He's almost done it like an too. inverted power bomb, kind of. Almost, yeah. You're right. Um, and then he's got like a so he kind of like crosses his legs, and he's got his leg there to trap them there, and then he's got like the shoulder cup. So it's kind of like a snare trap, and then he puts a nerve hold on it. So it was kind of interesting. I mean, I thought it was kind of cool. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of nerve holds, and and especially since like considering all the things luchasaurus can do i don't, yeah, know I don't love nice. it but at least it's kind of if he has cool signatures leading up to it then i'm okay with it yeah. right so, so maybe we'll, we'll see um then after the match he just obliterated him with a choke slam on the outside like that was awesome like, i hope that um what's his face is okay after this serpentico <laughs> that, that was awesome was a hard choke slam <laughs> onto the floor for sure the thud yeah, so I mean, cool squash debut for heel Luchasaurus. I'm surprisingly very on board for this Christian Luchasaurus pairing, at least in the infancy. We'll see where it goes, but Christian has never been more interesting in AEW for sure. And I kind of like the idea of heel Luchasaurus there to sort of back up his mouth, right? So I, I like where this is going. This was um, this was my favorite thing on this show, buddy. Really? I would did not think this was a strong episode, so I quite enjoyed this. And you didn't even like Blood and Guts. I thought it was okay. We'll get there. You suck. <laughs> I guess. No, I like this a lot too, though. Um, I think I think it was really good. Um, because as much as I am uh, disappointed, because I doubt he'll be doing some of the things that have been cool. I mean, he could, but I doubt it. Um, Luchasaurus is really cool here too. Um, it's interesting to say the least, and I kind of like it, as long as they're smart with it, because I never thought of a Luchasaurus. But it could no, actually either. work because, like, he yep. doesn't have to really talk much. And, like, it could work as a monster heel. Like, I think that actually does work. Yep. Um, I don't know how much upper mobility it has, but I think it could still be cool. Like, as long as they don't, like, eventually plummet him down the card, I think he'll be okay. Yep. 
Um, I'm interested to see where this goes. Um, I think it was a cool move because I'm definitely now more interested in the storyline because of what they did here, really bringing in Luchasaurus. So I agree. I think it was smart on them. Yeah, it's fun. I'm enjoying Christian for the first time in a while, so I'm all for it. I would say first time ever. Ever? I, I used to like Christian. Maybe yeah. not in AEW. Well, so I much, but... I've only really watched him mainly in AEW. Anything I've seen from him is usually like TLC or like um highlights like past right? stuff. So yeah. I will say this is the first time. Uh, next we get a Wardlow Scorpio Sky interview thing. Uh, Sky says he understands Wardlow's feeling himself after beating up a bunch of security guards, but he is no security guard. He may have been at one point though. There is no way to know because true, like everybody has. Somebody had to take a turn. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like. Claudio Castagnoli was, Ricky Starks. Oh, that was something Claudio did on that too when he came out, right? Was point to the cameraman because there had been people, the rumor was that he was the cameraman. He was that guy. Because did you notice that when he came out? He like paused beside the cameraman and like pointed to him a little bit. Because it was like there was rumors that, because that cameraman is big, like similar size to Claudio, that he was the cameraman. So it was kind of, just because they thought that's how he was going to debut, right? Oh, he's been a cameraman and now he showed, anyways. That's weird. It was a little thing I forgot to mention. I didn't know that. That's yeah. weird. Um, he says he is the TNT champion last time he beat Wardlow. Geologic. Mm-hmm. I think that was in like what the two weeks that he held the title before his current run. Yes. <laughs> um, or was it one week? I don't even know. Um, who did he win win the title from the first time? Was it Guevara? Probably. I think uh, they passed it back and forth. No. Yeah, because he had the two titles and then he brought it to one title like a big dummy. Right two titles is better always uh wardlow says to because if he had two titles he was wait because like you know you could destroy the titles if he had the two titles then you'd still have one that's idiot. right unless Guevara destroyed both um wardlow says to bring everyone from america top team or at um and he'll treat them like security guards and he'll beat his ass take the title sky says wardlow's real tough with the no physicality agreement agrees to the title match next week and wants it a street fight um, I thought Sky did a good job here. I liked him. I thought he sounded good. I thought Wardlow was all right. I mm-hmm. like the mining a stipulation match. I feel like it, it gives Sky more of a fighting chance, which I think is smart because mm-hmm. then it's le- it's just a better match. It, it helps the match. Um, they better be wearing street clothes though, or I quit. I thought both guys did a good job here too, and like Wardlow's the badass, right? That wants to not say much, get past the talking and fight, and Sky's like the arrogant heel champion that likes to talk. So. I trust AEW to make the street fight stipulation worth my time because they almost always do. So yeah, I was fine with this segment too. Yes, that's something I forgot to say. Is they do they do excel at those yeah. matches. I think that could be cool too. And like maybe um Paige gets pasted and whatnot too. I could see that happening maybe. Um, yeah. Or hey, Masvidal. That is the only name no, I thanks. remember. Not okay, any that's not Sacha. I remember Junior Dos Santos. I remember Jorge Masvidal because I remember uh, Lambert shouting his name a few times, and I also don't remember ever seeing him. So yeah, a couple of those. T- also, I've seen his UFC figure, so I'm like, hey, Jorge Masvidal. Sweet. Also, his name has horror in it, so that's pretty funny. Sure. <laughs> Keep moving, man. We got so much stuff to get through. Um, next we have Max Caster and the Ass Boys versus Dane House and, and Mystery Tandem. Yes. Which is FTR. Hooray. Walking out with all three sets of belts. Yep. Like, Very cool belty. belty. Many belts. Indeed. I hope next week we start pushing towards them versus the Bucks because I need it now. I need them with four belts because I think that's very funny. For sure. And awesome looking. Um, Oh, yeah. I saw someone made like a picture of them like holding all their current belts and like it's like a they did a graphic where it's like the table. It's got like the EW belts and like all the WWE belts they held. So it's like a picture of them with every belt they've ever held. Cool. So that's kind of cool. Anywho, 
Anywho. Uh, notables. Uh, Cash hit a back body drop and atomic drop to Austin Gum for an arm drag takedown. Tag it to Dax, who delivered some corner tops and a snap suplex for a one count. FTR tagging Danhausen. They had a, dub- a double drop toe hold, leave him o- Austin open for an elbow from Danhausen. Uh, later on, Dax gets a hot tag, unloads shots on all three heels. Cash comes in for some offense, too. They hit stereo consecutive German suplexes of the guns. Dax hangs on a little longer after Cash and Colton are out and hits a couple more. Uh, I had my note was Dax with a million German suplexes. So many. So many. Like, it had to be at least 10. Yes. Uh, Billy Gunn distracts the ref. Bowens comes in with his crutch. So he is injured or he's not I, injured? I think he's recovered enough that he can do that much, right? right? Which is good. Um, And the finish comes when Bowens inadvertently hits Austin Gunn with the crutch. Dan hasn't capitalizes for the win. Um, after the match, there's some dissension in the heel group. After the accidental shove from Bowens, they're arguing. Billy Gunn's kind of in the middle, and he shoves his own son down, Austin. And it seems like he's telling the ass boys to calm down or something like that. And yes. He seems to be setting up the acclaim, which I think is odd. And the ass boys exit. Yeah. Uh, the So Caster's rap included talk about juggalos, right? And um, Is that a reference to something? He made a reference to, yeah, Danhausen. Because juggalos wear, like, white face paint. He talks about white guys in white face also in that rap. Oh, right, yes. Um, so they're fans of Insane Clown Posse. Uh, right. And, and they have, like, these big festivals and stuff that they go to. Anyways, and he made a reference to the tap water in Flint, which had, like, terrible water issues a while ago. Maybe still. I don't know. But anyways, um, I kind of like Acclaimed and the Guns as a group. I'm not a huge fan of the Guns in the ring, and that kind of stays the same. Uh, FTR are always cool. They were the best part of this match for me. I don't. I didn't think this match was anything special. Cassidy, um, Orange Cassidy and Danhausen so close together on a card like this, like one after the other, wouldn't be my choice because that's not I, true. Luchasaurus. I find them uh, very similar in tone. They're doing that sort of comedy thing. I find them. People are going to say no, no. They're totally different. I feel like they're quite similar. Um, they are different, but also very similar. Yes. I this match got almost ten minutes, and I'm not sure that it needed to. I thought it was okay. Yeah, um, I I liked it a decent amount just because I think it was cool that it was a pretty good showcase for FTR. And I didn't think it would be a, a debut or anything, so I'm quite happy that they did put FTR in here. Mm-hmm. Um, So I think that was pretty good. Babyface FTR allows for this sort of thing. That's like the weird thing. Right. With Dane Housen for a fun little match. Um, I like it because they're pretty hot after winning the IWGP titles. So it allowed for a solid showcase for them. Um, Dane Housen's fine, but he doesn't do much, mostly for comedy. So I, I think it allows FTR to get a lot in here. Finish is okay. I don't care much for the dissension in the heel group. I guess it's kind of interesting because Billy didn't side his own children. I, but I, I guess. I don't know. I don't know it's just kind of odd. I think it's like his own kids are not his favorite part of this faction, which could be funny. Right. He prefers the acclaim to his own sons would be kind of funny. I would. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, next, we get a promo from Lethal and Co. again. And it's totally different and innovative from all of their other ones, right? It is. I is would that what you're going to tell me? Say. It's I not the it exact is. same as the last six weeks or whatever? Nope. Totally different? Nope. It's totally different from everything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Dutt says he is uh, mad because Joe is still not back. He says ROH returns July 23rd. That's before Dishonor. They want Joe to sign for it. Lethal asks how long it'll be until Joe accepts the challenge. I assume another couple weeks, and we'll get another promo next week asking how long it'll be. Probably. Um, wants to be the current... ROH TV champ versus longest reigning one. Sings is a final line I didn't understand because he literally sounds like the great Cully. He was hard to pick up here, yeah. Uh, again, this is the same. They sound good. I like that even they had some like ominous music playing behind it, which is fine, but this needs to get moving, man. These segments are super similar every week. 
they're definitely not bad, but we're not getting anything new or particularly interesting. Like things aren't moving forward. We're just in a holding pattern until Joe's back from wherever Joe went and accepts this challenge. So I don't know why they feel the need to put this on every week, basically the same thing, but they are. And again, I think the guys are doing a good job. It's just copy and paste, it feels like, right? Yeah, it was okay. It's just the same thing. And they're not doing bad like like you said they're doing good i just don't really care right i'm glad at least they're angling this for the roh review because i think aw is enough going on where this doesn't need to be yes for sure i think that's the right place for yeah it. but i feel like we'll still get these vignettes and i don't i don't know i wish roh had somewhere to put them yes they need some tv they need to get a tv contract somewhere yes or like just fire up a youtube show yes they could so, do that too uh next we get jay cargill versus <gasps> Layla, Layla Gray. Gray. Yeah. Amazing. TVS title open challenge. She's 0-15 and she's getting a title shot. And and they talked about her like, and this is my first note, I have no idea who Layla Gray is. They made no attempt to explain who she is or to make her seem like a credible person even. So I don't get this right from the jump. But anyways, go ahead. Um, Only notable is there's a corner high knee by Gray and she gets thrown off a bulldog and gets and cargo hits a pump kick. And the finish comes from Cargo hitting Jaded. So that that ends it yep, after the match. Sure does. Um, Cargo says she's tired of everyone complaining and tells Hulkley to give her real competition next time. How dare you? <laughs> Layla Gray, man. Layla Gray. Elite. Elite. All elite. Yes. Uh, Hathaway says other things and says Athena and Statlander aren't overlooked. They're just lazy. Statlander and Athena come out. They attack Cargo and Hogan. Statlander's holding Cargo for an eclipse. Layla Gray shows Athena off after some persuasion from Hathaway. Cargo ends on top. And then she's not thrilled by Grace Help, so I'm not sure where it's at there. I yeah. Know, it's kind of odd. I don't know, man. I Like, the open challenge tactic can elevate a title, and I like it sometimes, but not when it's a squash match involving someone I've never heard of and that you don't really want to introduce to me at all. Um, and well, getting I wish they introduced this person to who's, what did you say, 0-15 gets an yeah. immediate title shot. I do like the end where Jade is mad about the lack of competition, but I don't think Athena or Statlander make a very interesting opponent. Again, not entirely their own fault. We don't know much about either of them, right? Other than Statlander's not an alien anymore, um, which unfortunately hasn't made her any more interesting. And Athena just got here, and we haven't really been told anything about here. So it's her either. So it's kind of hard to care about either of them. As we always say on this show, they need to spend more time on this women's division as a whole. Characters and stories need to be built um stokely hathaway always great but this match and the aftermath didn't do much for me what about you yeah standard squash match not much to say here other than how did cargo beat the legendary and fiend layla gray with such right? ease like honestly i don't layla gray don't ladies and gentlemen layla gray yep um aftermath was fine but nothing super interesting so maybe gray is a replacement value but i'm not sure if this seems impromptu so yeah it was kind of like she was trying to ingratiate herself to jade and the baddies but they weren't really accepting it in the aftermath the way it was i like, guess i don't know it, yeah it was kind of odd yep um the aftermath was fine um i don't know it wasn't very interesting um i could see being someone like gray um because i could see carlo just being healed and when velvet is able to return just or they found out we'll get whoever they found will get booted out like i feel like they're just like temporary maybe or they won't take velvet back in because the replacement's better or something something like that yep or there's four could go either way Yep. Um, next we get a young bucks promo. They ask where everyone's gone. They mention the rest of the group being injured. Yep. So now I just don't care because bucks are smelly. 
Uh, they even hired an intern to operate the cameras at Cutler, who's out too. I don't know how Cutler's out, but okay. The curse of injuries right, <laughs> right. now. Um, Nick says they've been looking around the locker room. They can't find anyone to relate to them. They say they have no friends except the tiles. They brag about being two-time champs. They mentioned Goto and Yoshihashi wanting a shot at them. Okay. That's not, weird. That's my note. Not a draw for me. They say they'll They say they'll have a, ramp, a match on Rampage. Godanish and Hashi have to win the, that first to get a title shot. Yeah, I, I guess they did a fine job with this promo, but Yoshihashi and Goto are not a draw for me, and it looks like we might get it twice, right? Because I assume with nothing else looking like it's going to happen, we're going to need them to be the next title contender, so maybe they win on Rampage and then face them again. So I, I don't know. It's fine, I guess. I don't really care that much about Goto or Yoshihashi, so it's kind of like a placekeeper match until the Bucks face somebody legit, I feel like. Mm-hmm. But anyways. Um, it was a fine promo, less energetic, made sense given like everyone's gone. Um, I haven't seen much of Goto or Yoshihashi, even though I know who they are, so I don't know how good. It'll be not much of a draw, like you said. Um, even though it's clear the New Japan guys won't get a title shot, they ain't winning this. Nope, I don't think so. Uh, well, they might win and get a title shot, I feel like. They might win through some fluke to extend so. it, but maybe not. They did not. Oh, they didn't, you already know. Yes. Okay. I didn't. I didn't think they would. Um, next we got Blood and Guts high package. Um, there it was just highlighting the feud thus far. Talking head from Malenko, kind of on Jericho's side, and then um from Soho for Kingston, which I thought was odd. Yeah, me too. Soho. Um, more talking heads from Shivani, Excalibur, Malenko again. Clips from last year's match. More talking heads, metal music in the background. Um, it's such a cute up. So um, if you're curious, just check it out if you wish. I was solid, just kind of highlighting the feud gets you kind of caught up if you don't know much um and like there's kind of point of views from both sides yeah i thought it was a good package and they tried really hard to make this match feel like a big deal right so they, they did a good job with that mm-hmm. for sure um and then we come to the match itself jericho appreciates society versus not it's not blackpool comic club it's eddie kingston prime powerful and blackpool comic club right and man my first note the entrances for this took forever yeah everybody got like their individual entrance basically or it just took forever anyways my first complaint yeah um yeah <laughs> yeah uh i feel i think cesaro and yuda should just come with moxley to the crowd that'd be cool mm-hmm. something faster than what they did because yes. i was this <laughs> was dragging for me um so we start off with claudio castagnoli and samuel guevara right and that's my first notice so many fresh matchups for cesaro i think that and i think it's smart uh stop starting with them too me too um there's some cool like um guevara's trying to avoid claudio so he's like jumping from rope to rope that was crazy that was pretty cool yeah it was um claudio pops up guevara looking for that uppercut and then guevara kind of comes down countering with the cutter which i thought was cool mm-hmm. um claudio swings guevara's doing cesaro swing as garcia enters the match and attacks looking like one of the lost matadors there was WWE. an odd moment i made a note of between the two rings where sammy and claudio just did nothing for a little bit i don't know what was going on but they were expecting something else to happen it almost felt to me like they thought the next person was coming in so they were stalling for the countdown which never happened so it looked awkward they just stood there doing nothing i don't remember so i was confused by that um yuda enters after the commercial break takes out guevara hits garcia with multiple german suplexes then guevara receives the same treatment uh next hager enters for jazz and yuda tries to dive on him gets caught into that slam move hager always does i don't know how to describe it he, he kind of picks he you up does high it. twists and slams he hit yeah. that a bunch of times in this yeah yeah um mox enters next a couple chairs immediately throwing at hager's head then linguistic garcia and guevara uh claudio holds guevara up in a military press drops him into a cutter from mox and then a diving splash that from was yuda. cool that was pretty cool yeah that was cool i like that uh, Me too. sequence 
Um, Blackpool Comic Club with Stereo, Hammer and Elbow, Hammer and Anvil Elbows to Jass, and Angela Parker enters, but is cornered by Blackpool Comic Club with everyone having been taken out, and he keeps moving around to escape from them. I thought he did a really good job of running mm-hmm. away from multiple people inside a cage. Like, mm-hmm. it looked pretty believable. Mm-hmm. I thought that was good. And he continues to run until Claudio catches him, hits a gut wrench suplex. Ortiz enters next, going on a flurry, taking out everyone in the match from Jass. Um, then Matt Menard enters after a commercial break, taking out everyone with a chair. We're also showing a bit from the commercial break where Mox brought in some broken glass and a pile driver to Parker on it and busted him open. Right. So that was kind of cool. Um, Menard reopens Mox's wound from Forbindor, breaks his face along the cage. Um, Santana enters, bringing in a table and a barbed wire bat. He hits a year knocking move and it looks like his leg kind of gives out. And that's it for Santana. Yeah, that was unfortunate, man. He so clearly hurt himself and yeah. is out. So, yeah, that sucks. He was lying cool. on the side for a while. He just lay there and did nothing, yeah, for the rest mm-hmm. of this, basically. Um, locks, uh, jabs, um, and our with a fork and then wooden skewers a la Abdullah the Butcher. Right. Um, Jericho enters last for his team and attacks with his bat. Floyd until Trace ducks in and attacks Jericho. Flying cutter to Ortiz by Guevara. Kingston finally enters. He's coming last. He's wheeling kendo stick. He used to beat Jass. Jericho shut a but his corn. Kingston wheels on him with the stick, which I thought was kind of cool. Yep. Um, Kingston and Ortiz power on Hager through a table in between the rings. Um, Mox dumps out a very large quantity of thumbtacks, and then Kingston and Claudio explode some of the wood on the other rings, so they're just tearing it up. Yes. Um, and Mox hits an Xbox tomorrow on the tacks, which was pretty brutal. Awesome, and yeah. his face was like all bloody, and so like the way Manard sold it after, I love the facial expression yeah, that he's he gave. Good. I thought that was really he's good. He's entertaining, man. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> after the commercial break, Jerk was like dragging Mox by his legs across the tacks, mm-hmm. and then he puts him in the walls of Jerk on the tacks, and was broken by Kingston throwing tacks at his face, which I thought was pretty funny. Ty Conti takes up the ref and takes the door key trying to get in. Uh, and Ruby Soho uh, runs down to take her out, but the door was successfully unlocked during that time. So Jericho climbed out and up top. Of course, Kingston followed naturally. They brought out the cage. Kingston bites Jericho's head, hits the hurricane. Guevara sneaks up, attacks Kingston from behind, and he, he eventually gets thrown off by Kingston, uh, does Guevara. So he goes through like a ringside thing that they had i was i kind of noticed that but yes but they it landed perfectly yeah it looked way well better executed. than last year i think 100 uh, percent um jericho puts kings in the walls of jericho top the cage until an interruption from claudio claudio sings jericho jericho atop the cage um finish comes when Kingston and claudio have jericho admired in serious submissions i think claudio had like a either a sharpshooter or a clover leaf i think it was a sharpshooter and Kingston had the stretch plum on jericho mm-hmm. menard taps out to to cesaro or claudio to give the baby faces the win and then Kingston was kind of unhappy, like he wanted to tap out Jericho. I think that was kind of yeah. the narrative. And you could hear him. You could see Eddie tell Claudio he couldn't get up because he did something to his back. He's like, no, man, I can't get up. I'm, It's my back, but I'm okay or something. Yeah, there was a lot of downtime on the top of the cage, man, with Eddie, Sammy, and Jericho where nothing was happening. And it's like nobody else existed in the match anymore, right? There was no cuts to anyone else fighting underneath or anything else going on. So... I don't know. This was a chaotic match, as you would expect, and there definitely was some cool stuff in this one, but I didn't love it, to be honest with you. A lot of standard weapons and blood. I didn't find very much to be creative or innovative here. Obviously, the Sammy spot off the top was really well done. The Santana injury also hampers it, and that was unfortunate. There seemed to be a few timing issues in places where people weren't really doing much. Um, and then there was a stretch before people went to the top that was pretty entertaining. But then once they got up top, I felt like there was just nothing really going on up there. Um, the final few minutes had that crazy spot that was cool. 
but also I thought the finish was somewhat underwhelming. I get it. It's supposed to further the Claudio Eddie Kingston stuff, but so like, I thought this was okay. It was nowhere near as entertaining as the arena anarchy or whatever the heck it was called. Like that match was just a blast to watch. This one was, that was better. This one was a little more standard, a little less creative and innovative. So I thought it was okay. I mean, it was the second half of the show, so I didn't love it, but it was it was okay. It was fine. Um, I thought it was pretty good. Um, I came out feeling like I enjoyed it more than I did when I was watching the first one. I feel like yeah. they kind of were working out the Kings first time. I think this one worked a lot better. I think they worked the format a little better. I think it has fair share of cool spots. I liked um, I think the stretch, especially before they went up, was actually pretty good. Um, Mox going and Abdul the Butcher on him with the forks and sticks. The table spot's cool. The glass tacks. Um, smarter than I think they started with the right guys too. I think that was cool. I think it got kind of boring atop the cage, which usually I it like because I think it's just kind of cool visual. But I think it was. And then it's like, know. what are the other guys it, doing? It ended good. We never then, cut to the right. other guys once. Exactly. Um, they didn't really do much. Uh, because it's it is hard to aside from Guevara taking the fall, which I thought was done way better than Jericho last year. Yeah, it looked good. Uh, finish for standard, but I liked it because they pointed out how like Claudio kind of robbed Kingston in that moment that he wanted. Yes, and he seemed like he kind of. Didn't, he was unhappy, but then he seemed kind of fine after. Right. Um, given how we know there's like that feud with them from the past, could play into it. All in all, I kind of liked it. I thought it was pretty good. I liked it better than the last one for sure. I can't remember, but probably. I don't know. <laughs> um, overall, this episode was pretty disappointing for me. The main event was fine. It, it held my attention. I'm not going to say it was bad, but it was half of the show, and I was hoping for better than fine. And then nothing really stood out to me in ring. The opening page Cassidy match was good, but not great. Uh, Jade, uh, Jade squash and then like an average trios match or maybe a little less than average by AEW standards. Um, somehow, like I said early on, the continuation of the Christian heel turn and his recruitment of Luchasaurus was probably the thing that interested me the most on this show, which is not a great sign. I actually gave this show a C plus this week, and I'm pretty sure you liked it better than I did. So yes. I'm interested to see your yes. right rating. I was right. kind of disappointed by this. Um, like last year's show is uh, it's a show two halves. Getting along the blood and guts is um for the non blood and guts stuff. I thought the opener was fine. Nothing you need to go and see. Trio's match was fun. A chair showcase, so I kind of liked it. TBS match was not that that wasn't really anything. No cage promo was good. I liked the Lucha Shore squash a lot. I thought that was really cool. I thought the Wardlow Sky thing was pretty good. Uh, box one was okay. Other half of the show was Blood and Guts, which I thought was pretty good. Well, I like that going in this and heading out. Uh, I feel the non-Blood and Guts side was a little lacking. Blood and Guts is good, not show saying. So I'd give it like a B minus. I thought it was yeah, pretty good. Yeah, I, I knew you liked it more than I did, and that's fine. We don't need to agree on stuff. It's probably more interesting if we don't sometimes. Um, so that's going to wrap up our AEW talk for this week, I think. And we're going to move into a little break and look at some trivia in a segment we like to call Off the Top of His Head. All right, are you ready? Because I'm going back to Kadaddle. Yay. There's more Kadaddle questions. Um, some of them are good and some of them are awful, but it's kind of fun either way. So we're going to go with, I think we're going right to the end this time, possibly. So question 81, because we left off at 80. Who is the oldest WWE champion? Like world champion? Again, I'm just reading what they have written. So who's the oldest champion? Jackland. Nope. Goldberg. No, you're missing somebody older. Uh, Maybe not so much a wrestler. Uh Oh, Vince. Correct. Vincent Kennedy McMahon. Right. How did I forget that? Who is the first African-American to hold a world title in WWE? 
WWE. Yeah, or do- whatever the company. Rock. Nope. Wrong gender. I'll give you that hint. Oh. I don't know. Jacqueline. Correct. Yes. Who holds the record for most WWE title reigns? To- sorry, WWE titles reign. To read it as written. Cena. And. They have two. Oh. They're saying Cena and. Orton. No. Triple H. No. They're saying Cena and Flair, which is obviously not correct. Because most of his were not from them. Correct? Right. He only had two in WWE, actually. Right. So it's Cena. Uh, again, these are questionable quality, some of them. Stone Cold Steve Austin has entry music inspired from which song? I have no idea. Bulls on Parade. Is that even true? Cause I that's don't a, even know what song that that's is. That's a Rage Against the Machine song that I love, and I don't feel that that's true. But anyways. That would be interesting if it was true. Who has won the most WWE Women's Championship? Charlotte Flair. Singular. Not according to this. Trish Harris. Correct. Okay, so it's outdated. Okay. Yes, probably. Because Char- I mean, do you really think anyone's <laughs> won more than Charlotte? Here's one of these amazing questions with a million possible answers. They're my favorite. Who never won a single belt in his entire WWE career? Jake Roberts. Correct. Yeah. yeah but I mean, there's lots of people, yeah. right? But I think they're saying like prominent person. Yeah. Um, He's one of those infamous ones. Who? What? <laughs> who played the only cage match in the history of WrestleMania? Who Hulk played Hogan it? Hogan and Bundy. Did they play it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's not even true because... I- Hey, Hogan, can you come over and play in my cage? <laughs> the Sunday Troops, and then now I know it's outdated because I know last year they did Steel Cage Match at Mania, which was Shane and Braun for some reason. Are you saying this quiz is not 100% accurate? It's not 100% updated. No. <laughs> I mean, you can tell by some of the questions that it's not. Who featured, who featured on the cover of the first ever WWE magazine? Hogan? No. A big man who is probably not best known for WWE time frankly Vader correct name the only WWE wrestlers that have won five separate titles what what the only WWE wrestlers have won five separate titles so like a WWE championship intercontinental US tag anyone from the shield nope you're wrong you don't know anything about wrestling anyone from the shield nope Orton I will not allow it Jeff Hardy yes Jeff Hardy I am treating this quiz as gospel truth. So Jeff Hardy is the first one. Miz? No. Yes, he did. Not according to this quiz. Chris Jericho. It, yes. Edge. Um, Shawn Michaels. So they're saying you've got Hardy and Christian. Or sorry, Hardy, Jericho, Christian, and Kurt Angle is what they're saying. Christian. Who is the youngest WWE champion in any category? Over Nate Dupree. Correct. Very good. Or, uh, that's not true. Nicholas Cohn. Right. Who won the shortest match in WrestleMania in the WrestleMania championship? <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what that means? Do you the, know? The Rock? Correct. Okay. Cause what I match thought, is that? It was, um, I don't know if you remember, but so The Rock was doing, because it was one of those things where like, hey, there's a lot of people here or whatever. And then the wife and the came in, they're going to attack him. Then he had an impromptu match with Eric Rowan and lasted six seconds. And then their wife and they're going to attack him after. And then John Cena came out and made his return because he was injured. Right. That was my first WrestleMania. Nice. Does WWE have its own TV channel? No. But they say yes, that they mean network. Network? Yeah. I guess. Yeah. Okay, that's fair. Who is the first undisputed champion? I feel like they may have Jericho? already asked this. Correct. Who? What year did Ric Flair retire? 
supposedly 2008, but I Correct. guess 2022. Didn't eh? we just see? He's yeah. going to have his last exactly. match. We watched on MLW. Uh, wow, here's a random one. Name the brother of Vince McMahon. Jess McMahon. Pick a name. Jess McMahon. Maybe your grandfather's name. I don't even know. Bob? Correct. Um, is that, is Bob that even McMahon. a real person? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> here's another great one. Which ECW or- original never wrestled in WWE? <laughs> and in the answer, they got the name wrong. Like New Jack? No. You could pick him. Like, or, well, yeah, but or, you ready? Um, okay. Miley Whipwreck. Miley. <laughs> L- lesser known sister of Mikey Whipwreck. <laughs> Who had the longest WWE heavyweight championship reign in history? Bruno San Martino. Correct. Duh. What are Rey Mysterio's finishers? 619 West Coast Pop. Correct. You're on a roll. What are the Undertaker's four main finishers called? Tombstone, Chokeslam, Old School, Hell's Gate. Wait, Last Ride. Last Ride. And what is what? The Triangle Choke? Yeah. Correct. They didn't call it Hell's Gate, so you're wrong. Well, I'm right. <laughs> They're wrong. Which, dare you side of the cadaddle. Which diva is married to the Miz? These are uh, hard Maurice. ones. Oh, ready for the last one? It's the hardest one. Last question. Who is Ric Flair's daughter? Uh, um, David Flair. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no. Charlotte Flair. Yes. So here's... Our favorite. So that's it. And it says, written by the cadaddle team. The Cadaddle team is made up of people from different walks of life, from different families and backgrounds, each with unique experiences and nuggets of wisdom to share with you. Do they have any nuggets? I would like to get different nuggets. From lino cutting, I don't even know what that is, to surfing, to children's mental health, their hobbies and interests range far and wide. They are passionate about turning your everyday moments into memories and bringing you inspiring ideas to have fun with your family. What? what a bizarre little thing. That, they can, that can't be... They can't... That has to be like ESL, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, I think so too. So not great work, Kidaddle, but we got some humor out of it anyway. So we'll go back funny. to something different next week. That's going to bring us to quickly... I'm going to quickly cover it because we've got a lot to get through this week's episode of NXT UK. All right, so I may make this close to a turbo review because we got a lot to get through and I didn't love this show anyways. um, We get a recap of Smith and Carter relinquishing their tag titles last week. How thorough was it? (laughs) Pretty thorough. I didn't caps lock throw this time, but it was pretty thorough. Uh, And then Briggs and Jensen, of course, won a four-team elimination tag match to take those titles in last week's main event. So yes, a really long recap again. That's two weeks in a row. I don't know. Do you think that they think they're adding new viewers each week that need to be like brought up to speed or something? Or do they not have time to fill? Because I don't, maybe, because I don't feel like that used to be this thorough, right? Am I wrong? No, I think it's just been like the last couple times. Right. Very thorough. So then we get the returning Blair Davenport taking on Angel Hayes. Yes. So Hayes hits the same flurries of kicks that I'm pretty sure she always does. Davenport then takes control from there, lands a nice kick to the head and a sliding kick to a seated Hayes. One last flurry from Hayes with some mediocre-looking stuff, and then an eventual missile dropkick from Davenport. A guillotine by Hayes is countered into a suplex by Davenport. Davenport, sorry. Then she hits her falcon arrow for the win. She speaks briefly after the match about crushing everyone's hope, which I assume is going to set up a match with who? 
Yeah, I thought that was an interesting choice of words. Right, because Amal. Amal, Amal is known as the French Hope, and she is a baby face, so I imagine that might be further rehab match for Davenport. Um, I don't know. Match was nothing special, right? But Yeah, it was just a standard kind of squash-ish it's, match. It's like they picked their lower to mid-card blonde female and put her in a match and had her lose again. Same as every week. Um, so nothing special, but honestly, after the brutal injury that Davenport came back from, getting through a match must feel good for her. Um, Hayes is really limited. I think she's one of those that's so limited it holds Davenport back a bit, but I thought Davenport yeah, I looked fair. good enough here. Yeah. Um, Kenny Williams is in Sid Scala's office, maniacally going... Slowly growing a, slowly growing a beard. Back. Yes, which looks better. And he's going through WWE encyclopedias, right? Which I think you have the one he was looking at. Yeah, I recognized it. Right. So Scala then comes in. Kenny rants about trying to find out who Tiger Turan is. Uh, there is a piece of paper stuck to the wall with the name Amir written on it. So it's like they're not even hiding anymore who Tiger Turan is. So Tiger Turan shows up. I think Kenny threatens to fight him and take Turan's mask off is what we get here. So I, I don't know, man. Like this again, they're taking a really long time to get to a very obvious payoff. And it's like now they've literally told us who this is, right? But right. I think it's time we get to the payoff. Uh, it's kind of run its course for me, even though I like Kenny Williams. They need to to get this to the end i think yeah yes any yeah um i don't know it was like i think it was cool he had the book but yeah he like <laughs> he even said it was a mirror jordan so i think it's like yes he's gone to the obvious conclusion we've arrived at weeks ago so now we just kind of need the match and then we can wrap it up or... it's kind of like they're doing with owens and elias like i know you're not you know what i mean i know you're ezekiel and Except it makes this me... one makes more sense because i think the whole ezekiel thing is stupid yeah um we then get Noam Dar and Shaw Samuels are watching Gallus do some in-ring training. And then Mark and Dar have words. Mark Coffey guarantees that he can beat Dar if Samuels isn't there to get involved in the match. Samuels sets the odds at 100 to 1, and he says he's going to put some of his hard-earned money down himself. Uh, they continue to argue as the segment ends. I don't really care about this story either. Noam Dar is cool, but he should be doing something more entertaining. Noam Dar deserves better. Right? Like, I don't... This is... And we'll, we'll talk about what I'm sort of noticing and having an issue with on NXT UK in a little bit here. We then get Amelia McKenzie um, taking on Fallon Henley, and we get holds and counters to start, then more holds and counters pinfall attempts and reversals commentary spend a lot of time wondering if amelia has a killer instinct or not sort of oh my tele god they want to drive this point home They're so bad telegraphing where this was going right um we get a twisting neck breaker by mckenzie followed by a chin lock lengthy submission by mckenzie but fallon eventually escapes henley takes control briefly before two clotheslines and a suplex from amelia mckenzie suplex millie suplex millie henley tweaks her knee and guess what does mckenzie have the killer instinct heck yes she does because <laughs> she attacks that injured knee of uh, fallon henley to show her killer instinct mckenzie continues to attack the knee but henley counters and rolls mckenzie up for the win so yes you have killy, yes you have killer instinct but Killy millie. you still can't win <laughs> yeah. right um this match seemed to get quite a bit of time, and I didn't find that much really happened here. There was not a ton of action. Um, the bulk of it was pretty basic stuff. I think Henley has potential because she shows like good fire and intensity, but I, I can't say I enjoyed this match. I don't know about you. No, I didn't. Love, I didn't. I don't even remember much from it. Like I don't know. I thought it was okay. Like, and I th I don't, they were 
trying way too hard with the whole killer instinct thing and then, and then like, she shows killer instinct and still loses right she showed a bit of killer instinct which i didn't think was a ton and then she still loses to a sunset flip of all things which i think as far as roll, uh, as far as roll-ups go do better but those nxt 2.0 people gotta come over and win you know exactly they do they, really they well gotta, i guess uh Earlier this week, Oliver Carter was approached by D Familia. They're trying to basically recruit him since he's all alone. He has no friends and no title. Um, so they kind of leave him to think about it. And this is where I'm kind of like, D Familia is a cool faction, but I'm not sure what you can do with them. This roster, I'm really noticing this week, the roster feels tiny, right? Like, who are these people going to? We basically have Gallus, D Familia dar and shaw samuels and like there's not much else right so i don't know what these guys are supposed to do i like them but i think they're limited by the rosters feeling really small to me i don't know you yeah i don't like especially if they were a four-man group like you're kind of yeah i don't know where they go from here like it's just the same unless you're doing tag combinations but i don't think they are yeah you just kind of cycle around and deal with the same people it's not super interesting uh, earlier this week, Saray is training, interrupted by Zaya Brookside. And again, I had to ask you, I can't remember this woman's name. I don't know what it is. Eliza Alexander. I think it's because it's close to like Amelia McKenzie, right? It's just kind of... It's just not that memorable. They're all very generic names. So they start to bully Saray, of course, but Mako, Satamura, and Amelia McKenzie come over. Mako wants the other two in the ring against Mako and Saray. Sure. She said she Yay. will teach the heels a lesson. Fine. Yeah. Great. And then Mako works out instead of Saray. Right. Um, we get Shaw Samuels versus Wolfgang in what was the final match of the show. So this is not exactly a high-profile main event, I wouldn't say. Um, do I, I'm going to cut down my notes on this one thing. So let's see. Well, we got left arm work by each man in this match. We get a big clothesline by Shaw for a near fall. Um, as Wolfgang continues to sell his arm, another submission by Shaw... Wolfgang escapes, corner crossbody by Wolfgang, but a dire distraction allows Shaw to catch Wolfgang with a spine buster for a near fall. Spear by Wolfgang to stop Samuel's momentum. Back to the left arm by Shaw. Wolfgang gets his knees up on a Shaw splash attempt. Dar gets knocked from the apron to the floor with the boot. We get a what I called a buckshot spear from Wolfgang, right? And he picks up the win here over Shaw yeah, Samuels. It's, it's still like a weird version of a spear, and it's just like, I don't know. It's, it's like weird. half spear, half freak accident yeah kind of thing i guess you like list them off too much and i mean i thought this was a solid match but nothing more than this it got a lot of time decent back and forth kind of slug fest but neither guy is very interesting or positioned near the top of any of this card so or of this company so the story between them is not super creative it's just kind of there's something missing in almost every angle they're working right now for me so i thought that this was solid and fine but nothing more you yeah it was it was okay but just i don't know nothing that i really like that much and it was just kind of there clearly our timing was great because when we started covering uk like there were two or three weeks where we're like this is really fun yeah now it's just kind of petered out it's kind of not super interesting so the main event is trent seven coming out to speak about his heel turn on tyler Bates. so uh, they recap that again as he's making his entrance, which is driving me crazy because we've seen a recap of this a thousand times now. Um, he will use visual aids to show us why he did what he did. But then his visual aid, do you remember what it was? Just yes. a freeze frame of him hitting a low blow. Yeah. So that's, uh, I guess, a visual aid. 
He calls it the most important moment in British sports and the moment he saved the industry. NXT UK was a ghost town, and now there is a record crowd there to hear him speak. He goes over his achievements. there, I can't tell the difference. It doesn't seem like a record. If it is, it's not by much. Goes over his achievements and popularity before saying that it was Bate and not him that changed. Tyler Bate lost his nerve and his will to win. He mocks Bate's uh, meditation and spirituality and blames it for making Bate soft, basically. He knows that Bate won't come back and fight him because Bate has lost his fighting spirit. He gets a little more intense at the end here, finishes by saying that he is British Strong Style and Mustache Mountain. And then a fan starts to chirp him and hops over the barricade as Seven is leaving. And Seven hits a low blow to him. Clearly a plant. Uh, and then leaves. So what did you think about this? It was okay, I guess. Let I me ask you. What new information did we get from this? Yeah, we didn't get anything from it. Like, it wasn't terrible. It's just we didn't really get anything. And then, I don't know, like, Tyler Bate didn't even do, do anything. So it's like nothing really changed. Right. And oh, I know the match is going to be cool and we'll get there. But, like, Seven did a good job here. But no new information whatsoever. His stated reason here for turning on Tyler Bate was exactly what he'd been showing us for months, right? Like, they've been telling us, like, I'll hold these belts at all costs, and then Tyler Bate looking like he's not willing to cheat. Like, we learned nothing here. They telegraphed this situation the entire way, which I don't think is necessarily a bad thing, and then they used the main event segment to basically be like, yep, that's what happened. Right. Right? Like, nothing new. This doesn't further anything other than, I guess, him saying, like, Bates not coming back because he's soft, which obviously he will, right? So I, I don't know. Like, I think Seven did a really good job delivering this. It's just like, but what was the point? We knew all right. of this already. It's just yeah. you telling us like, yes, what we've shown you for a month is in fact the case. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, so I didn't think it was a good episode. Three standard unspectacular matches in a main event segment that accomplished nothing despite being well delivered. I wasn't happy with this episode. C minus. Mm. Thoughts? Yeah, none of the matches I really cared for. None of the segments really did anything for me. Um, and I don't remember a ton because I don't really take notes on it. And then, no, you just go off the top of your head when I yeah, recap it. Yeah, it's just like, uh, there's nothing there. And the promo, like, at the end, just nothing to it. Yeah, I think c is fair. Just like, you don't really need to watch this. Right, I agree. Um, okay, so that's going to wrap that up and move us into our next segment where we'll catch up on some Impact Wrestling and we're... That is what we call any other wrestling business. All right, so we're going to I'm going to not talk about MLW because I got to get your brother to basketball practice at some point and I'm not sure how many people care. So if you're outraged by me not covering MLW, send me a, a message and I'll go back to it at some point. But we're going to look at Impact both the weekly show and uh, the pay-per-view that just happened really quickly. So Impact Wrestling from this past Thursday, we have the Good Brothers and America's Most Wanted start out. They're looking for a tag team partner to take on Honor No More at Against All Odds. They try to recruit PCO, but Vincent shows up and says that he and PCO are going to take on the Good Brothers tonight and that PCO will be staying with Honor No More. Um, Why would they try to recruit PCO? He was brought in with Honor No More. But it's sort of like he's, they're not being nice to him or something there's like been slight tease of him he's kind of a monster guy so is he like going to he's kind of a rogue right i guess um so the opening match was a four-way to decide who would face mike bailey at against all odds it's chris bay macklin laredo kid trey miguel 
a really fun opener that I think should have gotten a bit more time. It was a, one of those like probably eight minutes or something. Uh, Trey Miguel ends up winning after hitting the Meteor to Chris Bay. I enjoyed the match, but for me, Miguel is the least interesting challenger because it seems like he's their default when they don't know where to go. They go with him and he just almost never wins. You know what I mean? The championship. Right. Um, but anyway, well, he did win the title. He has won it. Yes. Um, and just my own personal thought is that Chris Bay is drastically underused. His inclusion in the Bullet Club has done nothing for him. I think he's just a huge talent. I would be leading he's towards... He's been in Bullet Club a while, yeah. Yes, and it hasn't done anything. I'd be trying to position him as a top-of-the-card performer, but they don't seem interested in that at this point. Uh, so Raven, surprisingly, talks about creating the Clockwork Orange House of Fun match, uh, and that is the stipulation for the um, Moose and Sammy Callahan match at Against All Odds. And Raven says the match is meant to be fun and cause damage. He says someone will get hurt and that will make him happy. So I hadn't seen Raven in a while. He has aged rapidly, it looks like. Did you see him? He's no. looking quite old. Um, and honestly, it feels like they are just copy and pasting the last match between these two, right? Is a clockwork orange match going to be that much different from the it's monster's ball? the weapons ball? are hanging on the... Right. And there's like... But it's still just a weapons match at the yeah. end of the day, right? A no DQ weapons are provided... Um, a lot of TNA matches are like that, though. They're pretty interchangeable. Yes. Uh, we then get Giselle Shaw taking on Rosemary. So the influence, which is Madison Rain and Tennille Dashwood, they're on commentary because Rain has a broken nose and maybe a broken orbital bone. So apparently, if Giselle Shaw wins this match and proves herself, she may replace Madison Rain at against all odds when the influence are taken on Rosemary and Taya for the tag championships. So Rosemary... Um, is momentarily distracted by Tennille and Madison attacking Taya at ringside. So Shaw picks up the win here with a... Actually looked pretty decent. Rosemary was coming in for a spear. And um, well, I can't remember her name already. Giselle hit her with a knee to the head. So it looked okay. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with the match. I actually think Giselle Shaw is pretty impressive at times. I'm not sure about the quintessential diva gimmick she's doing. It feels like she's trying to be Charlotte Flair basically to me um yeah i i don't know i think she has a lot of potential at least and i would assume that rosemary gets her win back and that they retain the titles at against all odds and that is in fact what did happen diana perrazzo and chelsea green interrupt mickey james tell her she's selfish and never talks about her partner the heels and only mickey, herself mickey james's face yes that's correct okay things escalate and they fight and mia yim shows up to even the numbers and the heels end up leaving rosemary <sighs> uses a necklace and some gibberish to summon James Mitchell. Yay. You know that's always my favorite, Supernatural. No one knows where Havoc has gone, but Rosemary wants to get a message to Havoc that it's all hands on deck because I guess the addition of Giselle Shaw is enough for Rosemary to summon evil... I don't know. I don't care. It's dumb. Savannah Evans takes on Jordan Grace. Um, so uh, you saw Jordan Grace on the pay-per-view. She's in better shape than she usually is. Like, she's super shredded right now, looking crazy. Um, she ends up winning when she blocks an Evans boot attempt, slaps her, and hits an impressive stalling muscle buster for the win on a rather large opponent, right? I really enjoyed this match. I thought it was a very good slug slugfest between two powerhouses. Uh, Jordan Grace is amazing combination of speed and power. If it were me, she would keep this title for a very long time and look dominant doing so. Savannah Evans actually impressed me here too. I honestly think they could build her for a title match somewhere down the road. She just needs to string together some dominant wins, which might be tough to do because she's kind of 
steals second right now, right? But I, I thought she looked really good here. I like this match quite a bit. Uh, hype package for Joe Doring, focusing on his previous accomplishments wrestling for All Japan. He was a multi-time tag team champion and I forget what they call it, but the main singles champion as well. I think a triple crown winner, all that stuff. The fact also that he has not been pinned or submitted since arriving at Impact, which I was like, really? I don't know if that's revisionist or not, but it could be. Um, regardless, I thought the package was excellent and actually really helpful in making Doring look like a legitimate contender because, of course, he's not going to win, right? They're not just going to have um, on their 20th anniversary that Josh Alexander's the future of the company and the reigning champion then have him lose like a couple weeks later. But this did help to sort of make Doring look legitimate. And they, they've talked about his history in All Japan before, but I thought it was nice to see some actual images of it as well. Uh, Josh Alexander then talks about how proud he is to be the champion and to be Impact's future. He says, no one has seen Eric Young since Slammiversary. And although he's focused on Joe Doring, Eric Young is in the back of his mind. Um, and so I told you, this is where like he got attacked after Slammiversary by... Doring and Diener, and they're like, I wonder if Eric Young put them up to this. And this is some kind of right. plot point that, like, why would you even, of course, first of all, wouldn't that make sense? Or even if he didn't, like, I don't know, like, wouldn't they just do that because that's their leader? That's what they do, right? right. Yeah. Like, so, even if he didn't, like, tell them to do that, like. Clearly, they have something planned. My guess is EY is moving on from um, Violent by Design. But well, he's going to be like, hey, you don't attack my opponent. Like, is and that going to be the thing? Maybe. And they had really, like, ominous music behind this that made it feel ridiculous and almost like a joke. And again, I don't... Why is it of such a revelation that Eric Young would be the one who directed his minions <laughs> to attack his opponent? Like, I don't see where this is going. But anyways, PCO and Vincent take on the Good Brothers for the Impact Tag Team Championships. Uh, PCO stops a magic killer. He and Gallows end up involved out on the floor. Vincent goes for a swanton to Anderson, but Anderson counters with a roll-up for the win. Honor No More then attack the Good Brothers and James Storm after the match. Who's and... the baby faces here? The Good Brothers? Yes, and Storm. That's... And Chris Harris, who comes out. Good Brothers, really? Ugh. And then Heath comes out too, just to add more people that I don't care about to this menagerie of people, right? Um, I guess a solid tag match. I don't know, but I felt like it was you go hit some basic stuff, then a few signatures, then tag in the next guy and he's going to do the same thing, right? So I don't, I might be biased because I don't really care about anyone involved in this, to be honest. Um, backstage, Harris then cuts a passionate promo to earn his way onto the Good Brother Storm Heath team, despite the protests of Storm initially. I actually thought Harris did a pretty good job here although I'm not really interested in seeing more of him in the ring. Alex Zane ace Austin. Austin wins with the fold after Chris Bay holds Zane's foot behind the ref's back. Excellent TV match. No surprise, really. Both of these guys are pretty awesome. Um, this match was actually given a fair amount of time, and it's just two athletic, innovative guys putting on a really good match. Main event, Frankie Kazarian taking on Chris Sabin. Sabin ends up firing up from a Kaz suplex, hits a clothesline. And a second cradle shock to win this match. Excellent match. Got a ton of time. Could have been an amazing match if it was for something or had some sort of build and stakes. I don't really think either of those things happened here. Felt kind of random, and especially since Kaz isn't even an impact performer, really. But nonetheless, a really entertaining main event. So overall, I'd have to say, like, 
I enjoyed four matches on this show, and that is a strong show. The opening X Division match, the women's match, Zane Austin, and the main event were all quite good. So that alone is enough for this show to earn a good grade for me. I thought the Doring package was really good, but the Rosemary summoning James Mitchell wasn't. Still a really good show overall. I gave it an A-. All right, moving on quickly. So Against All Odds happened last night. I just finished watching the last half of it this morning, and you watched the last three matches, I think? Uh, I only watched part of the Clockwork Orange. Right. House of Fun. So we got, match. honestly, a fantastic opening tag match with Motor City Machine Guns defeating Chris Bay and Ace Austin after Sabin hits an assisted cradle shock. So I've talked about it before. I would personally push Bay and Austin as singles competitors and get them out of Bullet Club. But if Impact doesn't seem to have any other plans for them, they made a fantastic tag team here who could easily become like heel tag champs and do a lot with that, I think. So uh, even learning that was good. But this was a fast-paced tag team match with lots of cool double-team offense from both teams. An excellent start to the show. Um, my second favorite match on this show was the opener. Then we got, I guess, what I would call a solid tag match between Chelsea Green, Deanna Perrazzo, taking on Mia Yim and Mickey James. Nothing wrong with it, but it followed an awesome opening tag match, and so I don't think that was the best choice to position this match here. It kind of paled in comparison. So Mia Yim, you're not a fan, correct? No. So here's what I'm seeing with her, because she didn't impress me here either. She does moves, right? But I don't think any of them look crisp or fluid. No, I remember, and she also tended to look slow sometimes. And this is mean, but I feel like this is pretty fair. A non-athlete trying to do athletic things, right? Yes. Like, she can do them, but they don't look graceful or fluid or whatever. Anyways. Yeah, and I, she brought Shayna Baszler to a bad match. I remember the True. one we saw live, and that made me sad. True. Uh, so, Chelsea Green ends up pinning Mickey James after a spine buster neck breaker double team finish that I thought looked a bit sloppy. And it was like, she ended up pinning Mickey James while Mickey James was lying on one of her legs still. So, it looked a bit weird, but anyways. Then we got my match of the night. I recommend going to watch this match. I checked on Cage Match. It was currently had a 9.2 rating. So that is the X Division Championship match with Mike Bailey retaining with a super cool looking Flamingo driver. I told you, I was talking about it with you. It's kind of like a, an Angel's Wings with a little bit of a different grip to it. And the snap he got on it was awesome. The pace that these guys maintained was fantastic. Incredible back and forth match. One of those... X Division matches that will likely steal the show, and it definitely did for me. Bailey has such a cool moveset. Those backflipping double knees are fantastic, and his kicks look incredible. To nitpick a little bit, when they get into a kicking exchange, right? What's my criticism of Trey Miguel generally? Oh, yeah, he doesn't hit like, so, hard. Yeah, so they have kick exchanges. The difference between Bailey and Trey's kicks was pretty glaring. It's Trey is clearly pulling his kicks. It reminds me, remember when you were in Taekwondo with your brother and you would do like light contact sparring? Yeah. Where like you're kicking, but you're not following through to hurt the person. Like Trey is clearly doing that while somehow Bailey looks like he's actually kicking you, right? But nonetheless, fantastic match. I actually recommend people seek this one out. Um, then we had Taya, Valkyrie, and Rosemary. They retained the Women's Tag Team Championships after defeating Giselle Shaw and Tennille Dashwood with a roll-up after the heels are denied their collab finishing move. Um, pretty solid match, had a good pace to it. I continue to be impressed with Shaw, although she <laughs> she had the big bot. She did a, it looks crazy in the air. She did like a corkscrew splash, where I would say she corkscrews a couple times at least, but she missed the landing and barely caught Rosemary's legs with it. 
Uh, after the match, the influence beat down the baby faces. Masha Slamovich, who I love, comes out, hands to Neil a picture of herself with an X through it, sort of indicating that she's going to be Slamovich's next victim. <sighs> Honor no more, lost yet another... Um, lost to yet another group of impact baby faces when America's Most Wanted hit the death sentence to Kenny King. To be honest, this match barely kept my interest. It feels like they're just going back to the well so often. This is the third like multi-person large tag team match Honor No More has been in. Why in storyline would Impact keep these guys around? I don't understand. To keep giving their guys wins, I guess. I guess. So this was supposed to be the story of PCO slowly turning on Honor No More. Um, but I don't really care. He botched a move to the outside intentionally, possibly right before the finish, I imagine. So Honor No More can blame him for the loss, right? Anyways, I guess the match was fine. There was lots of chaos and sort of signature parades here, but I just couldn't bring myself to care about it. It's Good Brothers, Heath and Chris Harris on a team in 2022. No thanks. Uh, Moose deceit defeated Sammy Callahan in a Clockwork Orange House of Fun match. With a spear after Macklin showed up masked and hit a low blow to Sammy and then hit him in the head with a barbed wire bat. So again, what was the, the plunder we got here? There was like a uh, chain link thing, chain link uh, door. There was uh, regular wooden doors that some, uh, I think Moose went through. Um, there was Lego glass, glass, trash a, can a shot with a bottle, trash cans. There was a toilet seat hanging. Staple I don't gun. know if it got used. Staple gun to the balls of uh, Moose There's at a one yard point. Sign. There were some unprotected shots with the door to the head that i wasn't a huge fan of right they got their arms up for the last couple but the first couple were yeah, not. yeah i remember so anyways i again this was big impact going back to something they just did these two had a good monsters ball match like a couple weeks ago and this didn't feel much different just not as good to me so i i don't know what they were thinking with this but hopefully this is done and they move on uh jordan grace defeated tasha steels with would you agree a nasty looking grace driver Yes, especially on the replay. So this was not a good angle for Tasha Steeles, and they did throw up the X after the match, so I hope she's okay. It looked pretty nasty. Even commentary as um, Grace was setting up for it, H Hannafin was kind of like, oh, even from this angle or something like that, so it was sketchy for sure. I did like the dynamic of a powerhouse babyface in Jordan Grace, and then you've got the smaller, slippery heel in Tasha Steeles with her enforcer there at ringside to get involved whenever she can. So I thought this match was pretty good. Um, not great. I keep waiting for Steels to put it all together to get to that next level, right? She had one fantastic match in, what was that tournament that Impact had for the Knock, women? It's knocked down. Right. And I think it was against Mercedes Martinez, and I loved it. But I, she just hasn't gotten back to that level somehow. Um, but still a good match. And then the main event was Alexander defeating Joe Doring with a drop kick to Doring's ankle and a C4 spike. So Alexander retains... And even though it was clearly a placeholder challenge for Alexander, um, I wish they'd built Doring a little bit more, but I thought the match was really good. Doring was in control for a majority of the first half, and his stuff is simple but impactful, right? It's realistic coming from him because he is an absolute hoss. Uh, and then Alexander took over, hit some impressive stuff to the very large Doring. The final few minutes were more back and forth with a quicker pace leading to the finish. So I thought it was a, a pretty good main event, not my favorite match on the show at all. What do you think of the main event? Um, I don't remember seeing much of it, actually. It was just a Haas, sort of, a bit of a Haas fight. Um, I think I was half watching. I honestly don't remember that much, and I just watched it. Thanks for your input. So it couldn't have been that great, because no, we literally watched it before I, I we came down here. I guess it was okay, here. but I honestly don't remember much from it. Right. Um, so a pretty solid show from Impact overall. The opening tag match, the X Division match being the clear standouts, I'd say go check them out. 
women's title match and the main event were quite good. The rest of the matches were just kind of there as far as I'm concerned. It was a B show with two great matches, I thought. All right, so we are now going to what preview? We need to preview whatchamacallit, right? Um, Why can't I remember what it um, is? Money in in the bank. So let's do that really quickly. Just hold on one second. All right, so I freed up some time so we can do it right now so let us quickly preview and predict money in the bank which i haven't really put any thought into so i did a little bit but not all right hit me especially one match what do we got oh i know yes keep it quick i'm late um so we bianca belair versus carmella for the wrong (laughs) side i picked belair because why on earth would it be carmella uh it's bianca belair if there's no way Carmella wins. No, universe. she only won the title because she had money in the bank, and that was cool. But then, like the rain kind of. Well, sucked. and she's only added to this match because Ripley's out. Right, Ripley's hurt, so no way. It's Bianca Belair. Mm-hmm. Um, Ronda Rousey versus Natalia for the SmackDown title. Um, I pick Rousey. Natalia will never win another title. She's just the Dolph Ziggler of the division. Except I think Ziggler is much better. I agree. Natalia is definitely not winning that match. No chance. Um, so then we have Usos versus Street Profits for the undisputed tag title. Ooh. Um. I pick Usos because, I don't know, these teams have faced off before. It's not a fresh matchup. It's Shocker. not. Um, I don't care to count how many times this happened. Uh, Street Profits are solid. They've already held both sets of tag titles separately. I don't think they're hot enough or WWE are hot enough on them at the moment for them to take off the Unified, take the unified titles off the Usos. I feel like they're like Ford, but I don't even, I don't even think they're hot on that anymore. Um, I think this needs to be bigger. Probably SummerSlam. Maybe that's where the bloodline goes down. They lose the titles. Or maybe they keep them at SummerSlam. I don't know. I know Roman's losing his soon. Um, and I don't know what's happening with Sokoa. I'll take Street Profits just to be different and because at some point, somebody in this bloodline has to lose something, right? I think Roman will soon, but I don't see the Street Profits doing it. Probably not, but I'll take them just for the sake of interest and hoping something changes. Um, Next we have Theory versus Lashley for the US title. Um, I don't want it to be Lashley. I think Theory's doing good. I think he's kind of cool. And I feel like Lashley is above this title. Agree. But Obviously, they sunk him back down to this level because they don't care anymore. They did their thing with him in the main event. They're done with that, I guess. It seems so. Um, I could see this being a win for him after they're coming out on last feud. I want it to be Theory, but I f- just feel like it's Lashley for whatever reason. I'll deviate and take Theory then because I think he's like Vince's guy and he may want to protect him, or though he may want to move I him above the... I don't think so. I think that like, US I think title. be Lashley, unfortunately. I want it to be Theory, though. I th- I'll take Theory to win. Just uh, women's money in the bank, which is Oof. Lacey Evans, Alexa Bliss, Becky Lynch, Raquel, uh, Shotzi, Liv Morgan, Asuka. Um, so money in the bank is always Oof. one of two things. It's either a way to get a title back on someone they want to be at the top or like they have a plan for like um, taking example Bailey in 2019. Like they use that yes. to get her the title back, right? Um, or it makes a new star like... Um, which they don't seem year, to be willing to Big do. E. Right. right, like something like that. Yes. Even though that didn't turn like nonetheless, um, the plan was there. I think it'll be louder here. I feel it. I just have a feeling it's gonna be Raquel. Um, they pushed her pretty solid to the gates. They gave her a good showing Ooh, in an open a, challenge against Ronda. Um, I also assume she's the kind of star that they would like. I can't say Vince right now, can I? Because no, he's not. He's but not I there. think he's the kind of person they would like, kind of like a China esque. I could see them strapping the Rocketeer. Also, Rousey's however on SmackDown doesn't seem to be going too good. Although she could probably cash in on either title, whichever they want to take off of the person yeah um you made a convincing case i want to take gonzalez but i don't want to just rodriguez yeah sorry um so i'll take becky lynch and say that they don't know how to build a new star and they get panicked and they think that they just the only person there who can draw anything is becky lynch and they'll just go right back to that Mm. 
That's fair. Yep. Speaking of and she'll challenge Rousey. Right. Yeah. Oh, that's true. I think is where that'll go. Mm. Uh, speaking of not wanting to build a new star, um, <laughs> that'll bring me to my pick for the next one, which is the men's Money in the Bank ladder match, which is Seth Rollins, Riddle, Omos, McIntyre, Sheamus, Sami Zayn, Matt Cat Moss. Did I get everyone? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Yeah, there we go. Yep. There's seven, men. And there's seven-person uh, matches in this, this time. It's kind of weird. Cool. Um, so I'm going to take Seth Rollins. Now, the general rule of thumb is... Here like, we go. Don't think logical with main <laughs> roster. But I will do here so anyways. Because if they do Rollins here, they can follow a fairly simple plan. It would work perfectly. I also see no one that makes sense. So before I make my case for Rollins, I will do the opposite for everybody else. Uh, McIntyre had his time at the top already. I'm I'm sure they're fairly done with that experiment. I don't know. They um, might bring it back. They might the bring crowd, it back. Because there were I, no crowds. There is crowds though. But there wasn't when he was running show. I know. But he they, never they got a chance have done with it crowds. already if they. Uh, but they're waiting. I, I know. know. Anyways, I'm saying they won't. He already had his time at the top. They're not doing it now. This is this doesn't this doesn't feel right for him. Um, I don't think it'll go to Riddle. I think he could have last year, but I don't think they'll ever fully push him. Um, Sheamus in the main event is long gone. Even him winning in 2015 didn't make sense. Didn't make sense. Mm-hmm. So I don't think they do it now. Omos is awful. Uh, they'll never push Sami Zayn that far either, especially no, like I, they will I just not. don't. I think his time has passed if they were going to ever. And Moss is someone they probably like, but he's super bland right now, and he's lacking something. If he was gonna win, he's lacking this several kind of thing. things. I think so. I don't think he it's his time either. Talent, even though they like him. Speaking ability, yeah. <laughs> yes, he lacks a lot. Yeah. that leaves us Seth freaking Rollins. Um, they clearly have no plan for Reigns. There's clearly been no end game, at least unless they're. Cody the was the end game, con. I think. And even then, though, they didn't, it didn't seem like they were planning it. It just seemed like a logical choice, right? Like, yeah. it didn't seem like they're planning anything. You could argue they'll do, like, Reigns for McIntyre or Clash of the Castle, but McIntyre probably doesn't win that because why would they do that? Um, so they could do Rollins-McIntyre, which they have history because McIntyre's first challenger when he was champion was Seth Rollins right. at Money in the Bank. <laughs> um they don't have a plan, so Rollins should win the briefcase at SummerSlam. And then we do a little reenactment of WrestleMania 31, perhaps, or along those lines. Because Reigns versus Lesnar, last main standing match, who freaking cares? We've seen this match many times. They faced off at SummerSlam before. They faced off at Mania before. They faced off twice in Saudi Arabia before. They faced off everywhere you could possibly leave it. Um, and then it'll be something interesting at the match. Reigns can take a break because he's already taken a break, so why not just take the toss off of him? I think they need to now. Leave it to Rollins now. Rollins can get a solid, substantial title run with the unified titles. Um, he can hold until Mania while Cody returns, wins the Rumble. Cody will get the title like he should have if he wasn't hurt. It's so easy to do. Um, I can't. I, it's picking logically is always a tricky thing with main roster, but Dangerous. I, I don't see anyone else besides Rollins. I don't even know what the second best option. Well, is. let me tell you, I know who's winning. Mm. It's Matt Riddle. Matt Riddle. Yep, I'm really? taking Riddle. Really? Why is that? Because they have some stupid long-range plan with him and Randy Orton because all he does is talk about how much he loves Randy Orton in every single promo. So they're going to build him to win some title and maybe build a new star. And then Orton's going to come back and they're going to feud and Orton will just win because they'll be like, ah, we tried this kid. It didn't really work out. Put it back on one (laughs) of the horses. Right? (laughs) You make us all a case. I know. But I I like my idea too much to stray. I know you do, but I'm gonna I'll take Riddle. I think that uh, maybe it's I time. I think I they, picked him last year. They try to make a new star, and it feels like there's definitely something planned there with long long range with Orton, and maybe 
that could still be the case, but Riddle doesn't need to win here, right? So I might be totally wrong on him winning, but right on the Orton and him storyline that no, doesn't involve a title. Right the Orton storyline. So anyways, I'll take Riddle just right. to be different. All right. That is it. That is it. All right. Do you have figuring it out this week? I think you said yes, yes. right? All right. So we will transition into our final segment, which is Jack updating us on wrestling action figures in figuring it out with Jack. Um, so then there's some new images of Elite 95, and this one's an interesting case for... All right. Um, I, I was telling you about it, the Jimmy. Oh, yeah. Um, you showed me. Yeah. Are you so, mad? It's so stupid. So first there's the Eddie Guerrero with the weird face scan. Um, like, I think I showed you. It looks kind of weird. He looks, like, unhappy with his own face scan. That's <laughs> Nice. The, it's such a bad scan i think the green tights are cool like i think the gear is cool but the face is awful comes with like the old smackdown tag title from like 2002 yep um lost guerrero's gear then there's a black and gold variant uh the chase variant so that's cool same crappy head scan um then there's uh bobby lashley in the black tights with the white logos um it's just like a repaint of his figure from late 89 so it's all right just nothing super adventurous then you have john cena from when he returned last year his head scans like it's kind of off. I just like something about the face. I don't like it. Right. Um. And so it's cool. He the tire's good, but um the face scan is not great. And uh, then we have Shotzi. She's solid, but I don't really care about Your that. Your favorite. Yeah. She's she's alright. I think it looks good, but um I don't I don't think it's like amazing like some people think. I should have picked her to win Money in the Bank just to spite you. <laughs> <laughs> um. Then we have a uh, big E. Um. Large in his, Earl. <laughs> in his attire from when he cashed in Money in the Bank, I think. And he's pretty plain. Like he just he's just got that, and then the WWE title. Like not much to this one. And then you have air quotes Jimmy Uso. Here's with the unleash your rage. So first off, I'm pretty sure they just reused uh, the Jay Uso head scan from. They're Elite, not even identical twins. People. Elite ninety, but then they just changed the hair. So first off, they colored half the hair red, like Jimmy used to have. Right. But then, and they made it longer, so they basically ruined what could have been a good Jay sculpt, and then put long hair on it to make it to try to make a Jimmy. And then on the box, they photoshopped that hair onto Jimmy, so then to make the picture look accurate-ish. And then, so the only thing accurate is that it is Jimmy's tattoos, but then the face is clearly Jay. The hair. <laughs> looks not right from the back and then the picture on the back of the box is literally jay uso amazing like phenomenal work by mattel here details so it's so interesting like i don't know how you screw up this bad but they did they did they found a way so that is just a i don't even know what that is like if it was a jimmy i would totally get it but i don't even know what that is anymore nice um then we have top talents 2033 basics wave two so it's it's um, wave two of a 2023 wave in 2022. Wow, they're getting the, ahead of themselves. The numbers are, I don't, the, the years on this on this line mean nothing. So first you have a Cena with, it's literally a re-release of like a painted on lime green shirt. Like it's a figure I think they've released at least three times before. Mm-hmm. So just repackaged. Then there's Orton with a black painted on RKO shirt. That's all right. And they have a red, a red Ray Mysterio. It looks like a old Mysterio from like, the attire looks like it's from early Mysterio when he when he start when he arrived and then the basic is clearly a re-release from the early days of Mattel because I can tell from the articulation it's got the upper arm articulation the pin joints and the elbows and 
ankle joints on a basic which they don't do anymore right and the head scan looks old so this is clearly just a re-release basic from which i think is okay because it actually would probably function better than the basics nowadays but it's just lazy by them right it is yes yes but i don't mind that as much as the cena because the cena has the current articulation they've re-released it multiple times this one at least it's like it's kind of like unearthing an old one it's like if you want an old mysterio here's one here yeah kind i guess deal. so so that's not as bad then you have uh the cameron grimes rings exclusively um they showed more images for that the packaging cool it's the exclusive patching it's actually like similar shape to the walter one mm-hmm. it's just like um different obviously for cameron grimes it's got like the flaps that close kind of like the bray wyatt funhouse one that i got nice it's got money stacks million dollar tile hat vest it's like million it's like grimes when he was rich but before he got like fancy and whatnot right like, when he was still kind of hillbilly but he was rich so it's that grimes yep and then there's the lineup for um elite 96 so no images but like you know who's in it so there's ring or it's, it's available for pre-order ring so there's brock lesnar so they showed this at the last time they were doing images it's like um it's jeans brock lesnar uh it's like Jeez. updated brock yeah like uh current brock canadian like cowboy brock yes yeah um king nakamura so we'll know this we know this will be in white gear and i'll nice. have the crown cloth goods jackets so that's cool mm-hmm. um do drop first time on the line nice so right. good for her kovi kingston i think he'll be in his Skeletor gear. Um, then Ilya Dragunov, first time on the line. Nice. Julio. And Wherever he's gone. Do you remember who I said was in the last one? No. Who? Hulk Hogan. Oh, right. Our mm-hmm. favorite. Mm-hmm. Everyone's favorite race. He's supposed to be in some obscure attire, so that'll be interesting, I guess. And the Chase variants do drop, which I wish was Nakamura or Dragunov. But Good for do drop, though. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then there's also the TNT toy belt on ringside. Uh, TNT tile. Um, it's the black strap one. Nice. Yeah. That's it. And also the there's new images for the JR figure that's coming out. <laughs> Rings exclusive. <laughs> to come with barbecue sauce. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. That's it. Nice. Well, uh, this is a beefy episode. We're approaching three hours. I guess that's what happens when we don't talk about the pay per view. So maybe we should knock out Money in the Bank before next Saturday. Yeah. <gasps> we got lots of time, so we'll try and get. Uh, a, yeah, I guess we can. A bonus episode where we'll talk about Money in the Bank. If not, we'll be back here Saturday for episode 103, and we'll include all of that good stuff there. Appreciate you taking any time out of your week to listen to us talk about wrestling. We'll be back here next Saturday for episode 103. We hope to see you plus anyone else there. And until then, take care.